we, we did a table this year and man, we, we almost sold out. It was best feeling in the world. And, and you know, I have sold my animals through other vendors before, but actually getting out there and meeting people and, and you know, kissing babies and shaking hands, uh, it's a special feeling. You know, it's, it's really neat after all these years of being on the other side of the table, uh, you know, being back behind the booth. Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to From the Ground Up podcast. Thank you so much for being here and for hanging out on another Monday. And uh, if you guys want to check out, we do have some ice pods available on the website, portcitypythons.com, as well as some reptile supplies. We just send out a, sent out a bunch of uh, iso straight, the isopod substrate this morning, as well as some cocoa chip and some uh, cocoa fiber and aspen bedding. And we have all that stuff. So uh, please go check it out, as well as some drainage layers and different things for bioactive. So uh, yeah, other than that, um, like I said before, like I've said every episode for the last three weeks, uh, week three of quarantine. I don't know if this is episode three or four of uh, isolation, but it's getting it's getting weird. I don't know if I'm used to this yet. I don't I don't love it, but it is breeding season, and uh, I have paired up a bunch of animals, so I'm super excited about that. But I'll probably get into that later, and I'll tell you guys and update you that at a later date. Update you that. So uh, today's guest. He works with a bunch of gecko species as well as a lot of North American colubrids. Um, his name is Chris Painshob of Badlands Herpeticulture. Chris, welcome to the podcast. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. I you know I've seen you around <clears throat> forever. So uh, what exactly are you into as far as I said geckos and, uh, and North American colubrids would be a little bit more specific? For sure. So I work with a lot of gargoyle geckos and leeches. Uh, actually, not too much leeches. I, I have a couple. Uh, so New Caledonian geckos. Um, I am a, 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 a animal hopper sometimes, so I try to work with as many different species as I can. I love the uh, Noah's Ark feeling. Um, so I've worked with a lot of Eubleferids, uh, which are uh, Eugonia rosaurus genus. Uh, I've only worked with the Hyanensis on those, but uh, Coleonyx. I've worked with my Trotus, Varigatus, uh, Brevis, uh, worked with a bunch of Felsuma in the past, uh, but now kind of working on collecting and hopefully at some point uh, breeding on and off North American colubrids as far as the entire uh, genus of Pityophis and with a ex few exceptions, we'll get there. And uh, North American rat snakes, man, uh, I love all of them. So, Yeah. That's uh that's kind of the scope right now. What I'm mostly, if if you're asking me what I'm breeding right now, uh, corn snakes love corn snakes. Yeah, I've got mm, a handful of little projects going with them. Uh, some bull snakes and some San Diego gophers. Uh, that's my snake breeding season right now. And then I've got uh, two sets of leeches and four trios on and off, mixing in some females here and there uh, of gargoyles, uh, Rachidactylus auriculatus. Nice. So can you give me a little bit of a translation on some of those species that you said in the beginning? <laughs> so the, uh, the Coleonyx uh, genus is your banded geckos. Oh, and I, and I do have uh, still paired. I have a uh, pair of Coleonyx mitratus, which is the Central American banded geckos. 
Um, so Eublepharids are the family that you will find uh, Eublepharis macularis in. Uh, they're the guys with uh, eyelids. Um, leopard geckos, right? Leopard geckos, yeah. So, so all of the eyelid geckos, and they're they're and you're gonna have to excuse me. There is a ton of them. Uh, cat eye geckos, I think, are in there. Um, so your your coleonyx, uh, your variegatus is your west coast variants of the desert uh, species of bandy geckos, and then your brevis is your Texas bandy geckos. Um, all of them are really neat, really, really, really diverse group. They all look totally different. Um, there's subspecies in, in some of them. Uh, they have wicked cool, neat little patterns. Um, but yeah, and they all have different care because they're all from different parts of, of, of North America, uh, you know, kind of included down in the Mexico, Central America. Uh, and then your Goniosaurus is your uh, Hainan Island um, Chinese cave geckos. Uh, so those are a really neat species, super easy. Uh, I don't have them anymore. I had a group of 2.5 or something like that for years. And uh, a buddy of mine is taking care of those. And I took some of his snakes, uh, kind of just keeping parameters uh, specific, you know, in a reptile room, as you know, uh, trying to keep a, a specific temperatures and, and humidities uh, can be uh, a challenge sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what got you all started? Where'd you start? Oh man, I think, I think I got that same answers every kid dinosaurs i love dinosaurs um i i you know first and foremost i'll absolutely say i'm, I'm a very lucky person uh my, my parents were very understanding of the things that i liked and, and i wanted to do uh no snakes in the house but uh when i i think i got some like those little fire belly newts when i was a kid uh, and then i was in boy scouts so i, I went from weeblos all the way to eagle scout uh i stayed in scouts until i couldn't um so I was always out flipping rocks, catching snakes, catching lizards. Uh, <clears throat> but when I was 14, I had had a handful of, you know, Pac-Man frogs or whatever. And uh, I was obsessed with day geckos. Uh, I, in fact, I have a book. I still have the book. It's the old pink Felsuma book, if anybody listening has ever heard of it. Uh, and, and I wanted day geckos. I wanted day geckos more than anything on this earth. And my dad happened to work with a guy that – uh was a reptile guy. I mean, he was, he was like the creepy tattoo reptile guy. I got a snake around my neck when I'm meeting <laughs> girls. And uh, he knew an importer and, and got me a pair of uh, gold dust egg geckos. And so I set those up, you know, as well as a 14 year old could. And, and I ended up breeding them for years. Uh, I had, I had a breeding pair of gold dust egg geckos for like three years, which for wild causes, it's a pretty good time for us, for a lizard that, you know, probably is only lived, you know, six, seven years, maybe they're, they're high metabolism, small animal. Uh, which I'm, I'm sure I'll apologize. I'm sure they go like 15 years in somebody's collection. I'm, I'm, I, but I mean, on your average wild caught uh, geckos, you're, you're probably with something that's small, high metabolism, you're probably not looking at having them for a long time. Uh, but kind of through that avenue, uh, there was a, a local pet store, a real small pet store. And I met a guy, his name's Carl Vargas. Uh, he, he owns and operates South Tex Gex. Um, if anybody listening is into geckos, they know about the bacon line, the Vargas granite line leeches. Well, at a young age, I met this guy and, and, and he was, he, he's an angel, man. He's, he's a godsend when it comes to this hobby. Uh, and, and he taught me so much of what I know. And then working with him, I was breeding leopard geckos and me and him were breeding bearded dragons. And I mean, we, we were, you know, through his, his mind, I, I learned so much and I really, he was my Mr. Miyagi for many years and he still is. Uh, we're still extremely close friends. I was 20 years ago, so I'm, I'm 35 
And uh, so just kind of working, working with geckos. So we, we kind of transitioned to leopard geckos, bearded dragons. When I finally moved out, uh, I was starting to get into crested geckos, which was kind of cool because it was like 2005. Nobody had, nobody, nobody had even seen them. And uh, me and him worked with crested geckos. And then, and then, man, it was all over. I got my first snake. Uh, I got a little, little gray banded king snake. Uh, yeah, there's a little alternative phase. You know, no locality back then. Nobody was really worried about the localities. Um, and, and and that just broke me. And, and for, for the longest time, uh, I loved working with snakes, but not necessarily breeding snakes. Uh, there's, there's an extra level when it goes to breeding snakes based off of something that you can keep paired up year-round. You know, you kind of, with geckos, you kind of click those parameters and they're good. And then with snakes... You know, you, you've got a little multifaceted things you got to do with them uh, to get them just right. But yeah, that was that was it, man. Always rock flipping, catching bull snakes. I caught bull snakes here in Corpus uh, when I was 14, 15 years old. I caught bull snakes up in Minnesota when I was 14, 15. That was where my family was from. So kind of drew me into that species. But yeah, that's, I mean, in a roundup, I'm sure I'm missing out some things. You know, I, again, like I said, I'm so lucky to have had mentors in my life. My parents, weren't really like reptile people at all, but they loved the fact that I was passionate about something. Uh, and, and same thing, you know, having somebody guiding me like Carl in my life really, really was special. So did you legitimately keep all throughout all from that time of what, like 15 years old or so to now? <laughs> I, that- there has been one time in my life and it was six months long that I didn't have a reptile in my possession. Uh, that was when me and my, at the time, girlfriend, who's my now wife, uh, we moved into a specific apartment complex and they wouldn't allow snakes. Um, so going through college, I just kept snakes, uh, stopped breeding lizards. You know, I was in college on and off. I got kicked out of a college. I mean, I did all kinds of <laughs> kid shit, everything that a, that a, you know, boy in his twenties wanted to do. And, uh, so I always just kept snakes. I remember being in my apartment and us having like 20 something snakes in my room and we, we had pairs. Uh, and I say, we, my, my brother's always been on this with me. Uh, he's not, he's, he's like a silent partner and everything I do. Uh, he, uh, we had Dumeril's boas pairs. We had, had a pair of hog island boas. We had uh, rainbow boas and we never, I mean, we had these snakes for years, five, six, seven, eight years. And we just never paired them up. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, we never thought, you know, we could actually breed these things. We just go to reptile show. I'm like, oh, man, this is cool. And then come find out. We'll get into this a little bit later. Uh, all of those species are illegal in my city. Um, <laughs> totally didn't know. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, I had a pair of gray banded. Oh, I gave them to a buddy to try and breed them. I had them for almost 10 years. Uh, it, you know, again, no locality. It was like an alternative phase and a Blair's phase, um, which I don't even know if that's what they're called anymore. Uh I had those even when my daughter was born, even before my daughter was born, I was working with the gargoyles and, and uh, breeding crested. And so, yeah, yeah. I kind of always just had something. It didn't really come to fruition until uh, wanting to make something more out of it, a little bit more collection based and, and business based, you know, you, you have to uh, market and, and, and generate profit somehow, you know what I mean? You've, you've got to bring in some kind of income if you want to have 150 animals, uh, until about four years ago, five years ago. And that's where I really got heavy into the gargoyle geckos. Um, and we had built the house that I'm in now. Uh, and, and I had kind of designed this room that I'm in 
you know, it's it's not the biggest room, but it's got, you know, ample closet space, outlets everywhere. Uh, you know, the, you can see the sun coming through. I wanted to, the windows uh, seven foot tall. I wanted a nice big. I wanted everything to be able to get natural sunlight, but I also wanted to be able to block that out. So it's on the west side of the house. Um, so when the sun's going down, I get ample light in here. But in the mornings, if I want to keep anyways, you, you know, so that was kind of a rambling man. I already told you. <laughs> no, man, you're you're perfectly fine. So when you set up that room, I mean, is it is it all in one room with all those species? Yes. Uh, so so the idea was to be able to have a room with a lot of ventilation. Uh, so I've got two uh, AC vents in here. I got a nice big ceiling fan uh, and it's got 10 foot ceilings in here, uh, which actually helps. So a lot of the heat that's generated, I, I do have heat on all of my uh, snakes. Uh, you know, it rises. Well, I mean, I can kind of. So this I don't know if this is six or so feet. It goes up way up there. So sorry, I got some nerd posters. That's the real deal. Um, good. So high ceilings help with uh, heat extrapolation. Uh, I'll do that again. Oh, yeah. No, I was like, I know there's a button for this that I could show oh. this better. So uh, yeah, yeah. So so uh, moving the heat up high that way, nothing's staying uh, outside the parameters where I want it. Um, I wanted I wanted this room to specifically fluctuate temperatures. Uh, I do believe that a temperature gradient between day and night is important for all animals. I, 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 I am, that's one of the things I'm like a firm believer of. I want this, this room to drop three degrees at night, four degrees. At night. Not something huge, not a huge swing. Uh, but I also want this room during the winter to get a little cooler. So during the winter, I might see 68, 70 uh, ambient, but during the summer, I might have days, I mean, on a hot day, you know, South Texas. So, you know, we got 110, 105 sometimes for, for weeks on end. Uh, if it gets really hot, this room, let's see, especially being on the west side, uh, maybe 80 degrees. Uh, I, you know, at that, if, if it's if I start seeing constant 80, 82 degrees, I, I'm turning the vents open and uh, and pushing a lot of air through here so it doesn't get too warm. Um, but if I, you know, the general temperature in this room is 75 to 78 degrees, uh, which is is good, uh, especially for a lot of the species I keep, and I try to find species that kind of fit in that parameter. And then, you know, on, on all the North America lubers, as you know, uh, nice hot spot, about 82 degrees. Uh, and, but also now I'm not, now I don't have this, this huge uh, power output where I'm worried about 95 degree hot spots or, you know, I don't like heat lamps. Heat lamps are like the number one thing I don't like using just from bad experiences in the past. Of course, I got one like hanging on all over here. Uh, just bad experiences in the past, not that they're a bad product. Uh, some people have great, great, great luck with them. Uh, but I'd rather use like a radiant heat panel or uh, or heat tape or, or heat cord, uh, something with a thermostat on it that's going to be, uh, you know, I got 12 thermostats in this room. I'm like real, I'm real, I got like some of my thermostats and some of my animals are like backed up by thermostats. You know, I'm, I'm real nervous about anything like that. Well, that's not, that's not a bad thing. And I no, see yeah. those, those leeches behind you, it looks like they have bulbs on them. Are there, are they those are actually no, those are puck lights uh, from Amazon, uh -huh. and they just click on and off. And I just do that because they look nice. Uh, <laughs> so I, I they're have, not generally on all day. No, uh, no, not at all. Now the window, uh, I keep the window kind of cracked, so they get about four, four or five hours of actual light in here. It's gonna be a really hot day, and I'm worried about temperatures. I'm gonna close it. Uh, been a little rainy and a little muggy, but that's not a bad thing. You know, these reptiles like to have some barometric pressure changes and kind of see an overcast day. Uh, it depends on the species. Some of them probably don't like it. Bull snakes don't. Uh, any of the pitchy are like not about storms, not about 
cooler random temperatures, not about barometric barometric pressure changes. So kind of kind of just depends. But yeah, these are these are just for like look good on podcast, man. Now, yeah, that's that's perfect. Yeah, because the first thing I said was look at all the look at those great enclosures. Uh, lately, we've had guests that have a much better background than me, so so wait, that, that looks cool though. <laughs> I mean, I, I was like, if I turn it one way, you'll see like a, a, a window and a, some racks. The other way is some racks and some drawers. Yeah, this, this is the only part that's like really pretty. Uh, where some of the species I'm worried with, we're going to be doing some display enclosures with. Uh, some of the species I work with don't do good with uh, display enclosures, or at least that I've kind of tried or, or worked with. So that's kind of just depends. So are you pairing uh, geckos right now? Yes. Uh, so I usually, and, and as far as the gecko breeding goes, uh, the gargoyle geckos, I keep, uh, I keep in trios. Um, I separate my males, uh, a couple months out of the year, keep the females together. Uh, I usually, I generally see most of my aggression, uh, out of the females towards the male or towards the other females are a little territorial. I've heard a lot of different things. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, I've heard a lot of different things about uh, which are more aggressive, males or females. Uh, for me, that's just what it is here. I also produce about 98% females. So I've heard on the East Coast, people get more males. On the West Coast, people get more females. I'm right in the middle. I, I, there's a lot of weird things with gargoyle geckos. They're, they're, a little, they're a little more intricate, a little more cryptic than, than most people uh, give them credit for sometimes. But yeah, right now we have uh, gargoyle geckos. I have one, two, three... I have three trios right now. In fact, I introduced a female over here. Uh, so there's actually a, a, a one male and three females in one of these enclosures. Uh, and then I, 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 I do separate certain females. I have a couple of females I'm not breeding this year just because uh, I don't want to produce too many babies. Uh, sometimes it's hard to sell gargoyle geckos. Sometimes it's not. Depends on the market. You know, right now with the, uh, with the current, uh, climate with the virus going around a worldwide pandemic uh you know geckos aren't really flying off the shelves i don't need to produce 130 geckos this year uh not for my sanity not for my my bank account uh also you know sometimes these things sell for you know a thousand dollars and it's really hard to sell uh that's that's not a you know you gotta you gotta try to market something like that or take it to a show for a while all the shows are canceled uh the big shows tinley uh stuff like that which i wouldn't be vending anyways but might have friends going uh, stuff like that. It, it's, it's a, it's, it's a thought, uh, you know, I think a lot of people should know this and, and I'm sure you know this, every animal you produce plan on keeping. Uh, mm. If if you, if you can't take care of that animal the rest of his life, you don't need to hatch that baby out. I've got, I, I have a gargoyle that was born with a scar in his eye. Uh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful baby, but it's eyes messed up. I don't know how it happened. Nobody knows how it happened, but that's a pet for life. I mean, not gonna, not gonna use it in any breeding programs. Nothing out of that line's ever shown anything like that. But I've got to be prepared to keep the animal for the rest of its life. Uh, I had a parthenogenic egg hatch. Uh, just, I don't even, you know, some people really are adamant about uh, incubating parth parthenogenic eggs. Uh, I decided to try it out. Um, it hatched. Now I have a year, two month old, maybe a fourteen month old gecko that's maybe the size of a three month old gecko. It's just like it's in, but it's surviving it's eating it's doing its things you know it's it's, it's doing gecko-y stuff but uh, <laughs> it's not 
it's it's weird, man. But I, I had to plan on the second you incubate that egg, the second you pair that, you know, whether it's snakes, geckos, whatever it is, you might have that. You know, you might not be able to wholesale it. You might not be able to find it or show. What are you going to do? Go let them go in your backyard? That's uh, that's not fair. That's you know you 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 you're you're in it for the wrong purpose if the only idea is to make money. So absolutely. Now let's go. I guess a little bit more specific as far as gargoyle geckos. I mean, it seems like there's a whole bunch of different lineage information and different looks to them. I don't really know much about it. So kind of, what did you? What were you into at first? And kind of how did you build your collection? Like what were you looking for? So at first. When I first started with gargoyle geckos, in my mind, it was like anything. Let me just get anything, pair them together. I'm gonna have baby gargoyles. They're the best, uh, and that works. Uh, you, you, uh, if you get a pair of gargoyle geckos, um, I suggest trios. Uh, it, it minimizes territorial issues. I, I, I suggest introducing them all at the same time, letting females establish. Um, you're not gonna get a bunch of eggs. They're they're not like crested geckos. They don't lay eggs every 30 days. Uh, I see maybe a pair of eggs every 60 days. Females will start dipping cycles. Uh, so you might get a, a pair of eggs in 120 days, you know? Uh, sorry, some kid just fell outside. Get <laughs> sorry. Uh, so, but, so yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're gonna, you know, you're not gonna produce a ton. Uh, but at first I was like, anything I can get, well, well, then I started kind of getting my hands on and, and I suggest anybody that's really interested in building, you know, building a collection or, or building into where they can sell animals for, for decent amounts of money is uh, you want to spend your money on first and foremost, what turns you on, right? Like, cause if you're not producing things that you want to see, you're not going to enjoy it. You're going to, you're going to burn out. You cannot burn out in this hobby uh, because like I said, you can, you can get 400 corn snakes and they're all going to be, you know, something you're just not about. And what, what are you going to do when you burn out? You, just, you, you can't, you're going to end up wholesaling. You, you're going to financially, you're going to ruin yourself. You're never going to recover from that financially. And then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to make all the, all, all the Joe references. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you, you're, you're not, but that, that, but your, your, your heart's going to be gone. You're, you're going to lose your, your, uh, your tie to it, your emotion to it. So, so I found, I really liked, uh, the red stripe stuff. Obviously I, I have bacon line stuff. Uh, again, I'm going to harken back on, on Carl Vargas. Uh, and you know, I, I have a handful of his bacon line stuff. It is the best of the best. It is the reddest geckos out there. Um, they're, 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 it's, it's an investment to get into. Uh, you're, you're not going to sell any of the babies. I try, I, I hate, I hate selling these things. I hate, I want to keep them all. Uh, but what I, what I decided to do in all of my groups uh, I have a group of, of black and whites uh, that, I, that I pair up. I have a group of yellows that I, I actually have uh, disassembled right now. They did a lot of work last year, and I just don't don't need to overbreed them either. That's another thing. Take care of your animals. I want these things to live for 40 years or whatever. Um, and then I have a group of reticulated, one of these directions, uh, with some blotched and super blotched stuff. Uh, I, got, I got some phantomized stuff. Uh, but, yeah, the main, mostly, mostly what I'm going to be, you know, if, if somebody's looking at gargoyles, what am I, what am I focusing on? It's gonna be a lot of reticulated and blotch stuff, and, and mostly red stuff. I, I work a lot with the red stripe. Uh, man, dude, you can't be a gargoyle. insane red back, man. It's just they're mind blowing. <clears throat> I don't, I don't know much about like the the value of a gecko, but what is a bacon line gecko compared to you know a normal gargoyle gecko? Well, I don't sell my geckos named bacon line 
because even though I have bacon line stuff from Carl, uh, I feel like if you have a line of animals, unless you are the original per, uh, originator of that line, now you just have your red geckos. Now, if I sell a gecko, I sell it with the lineage. Uh, you know, some of it I can even go back to grandparent pictures. Um, so in, in that sense, it is not my line of geckos to call bacon line. Uh, now, I, I know that bacon line stuff from Carl is usually, I think you'll get a lower end for about 1500 and I know they go up over oh, three. Shit. Yeah, they'll be over three grand, man. Uh, <laughs> know that. It, and and I, I, if, you know, and I, I won't, I won't answer for Carl. It's, you should, hey, I'm honest. He's an amazing person. Uh, he'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, I, I know his stuff flies off the shelf. Uh, you can't, he doesn't let go of a lot. And when he does there, uh, it's tough to get a hold of them. Um, but like, so if I have a really nice full red stripe, uh, they're, they're 500 to a thousand, uh, you know, some, some lower end stuff's in the two, 300 range. Another thing is when they're, it depends on the size, these things have to, they go through a bit of an onogenic change. So you'll see their yellows and oranges kind of mature into deep reds. Uh, you know, you keep something, a, gar, a mature gargoyle is two to three years old. Uh, they're slower. Um, I don't do a lot of bug protein. Uh, I do bug protein in my diets. I, I do hand feed dubias, but I don't like crickets. I don't really like millworms. I don't like any of these jumpy stuff around my house. I got a three-year-old, she's crazy enough. Uh, so so I do a lot of the mixed diets. Um, you know, pick, pick your pick your mixed diet, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say which one's the best. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's some wonderful companies doing some extensive research to get some of the best stuff on the market. And, uh, you know, so mm, if I hold back a gecko, it's three years out until uh, I'm going to breed it. I want to see my females 50 grams, 45 grams. I want to have big, healthy females give me big, healthy eggs. Uh, you know, when, you know, when a, when a thousand or $1,500 gecko crashes and you're, you're, you know, you're digging it out of its cage and, you know, mm -hmm. digging a hole in the backyard and tears feel real good. So Damn. Uh, don't, don't do that. You know, invest as much emotionally into these animals as you do financially, uh, you have to love them. You have to want to take care of them. They cannot just be, I'm going to buy this $2,000 gecko. I'm going to pair with this $2,000 gecko. In two years, it's going to poop out $2,000 babies. I mean, maybe, maybe not. They're polygenic. You might get $100 babies. What was the point in getting those if you didn't want them in the first place just to try to, you know, create a project that's going to make money? I mean, you know this, you with corn snakes, Corn snakes are probably one of my favorite snakes. They're not my favorite, but they're real close to my favorites. And, and I know financially there's not a huge, uh, you know, unless you're working with some of the, uh, the crazy scale of stuff, some of the palmetto stuff. No matter what, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't do it at a scale that sustains itself and yeah. make money, like good money, really. You unless gotta you're be into it. producing 10,000 of them, you know. But. Yeah, you got to be into it for the love. And, and, and that's the thing, like, let's say, let's say a nice corn snake goes for 100 $200 how much of your time did you put into that one baby? Like, you know, let's, let's say you make, you know, average, I don't know what average person makes, call it 20 bucks an hour, 25 bucks an hour, whatever. How many hours of feeding did you go into that baby? How many mouse tails did you shove down his throat because it didn't want to eat? You know, it, well, it, it has to be an emotional investment uh, before it's a financial investment. And, and, and honestly, you're not going to get into this and make money. <laughs> it's, it's, you're going to, you're going to, you may be lucky enough to, to come out on top. Uh, you might have a good year. Uh, you might might have I, I had I had a couple babies uh, last year that, that I that I did sell for a thousand bucks. I felt really good about it. And, and but the the years of dedication that went into uh, into getting to that point uh, are not are not 
easily found. And none of it was done, you know, just over, none of it was overnight. It, it's, a, it's a lot of maturation of these animals. Uh, you can buy it all animals. And I think you know the answer on, on, on <sighs> some people sell breeders that are in great shape, three or four years old. You'll, you'll have the best luck in the world. Some people will sell you, uh, you know, a 14 year old gecko that is burnt out and been bred every year. And, and you might spend a thousand dollars on that animal too. Uh, you don't, it's got to be that emotional tie first before it, before it's anything else. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, when, when people go for that, that shortcut and get all adult animals, you got to be really careful. You could really yeah. be setting yourself up for not only do you fail like the first time, but you're talking consecutively, you try to make those animals go and go and go yeah. and you waste a lot of your time. And yeah. even if you don't have babies that are healthy too, I mean, it's a whole mess. So as, you know, it's important uh, to, to to check out where you're getting your animals from. Absolutely, uh, it's it's trust, and that's the other thing. Trust, trust, trust. You, when you're buying an animal, whether it's a corn snake, whether it's a gecko, whether it's a you know uh, a high end colubra, there's some really some really amazing rare special stuff. Uh, King cobra. Know know your source. Know where you're getting these animals from. Do do yourself a little due diligence that you didn't just grab the first one off the shelf or the first one you saw at the show. Talk to talk to the person that's selling it. They don't want to talk to you. Maybe that's not the animal for you. Uh, if 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 somebody's willing to do their work on their side as a seller, uh, then you get to inform yourself better as a buyer. Uh, say you know I've, I've sold an adult snake before. I, I, at my table, I had a, a, a beautiful pair of. Uh, Chesapeake Bay Eastern King Snakes. We'll, we'll talk about. I'm gonna talk about all my failures because no success is built without failure. Uh, so beautiful. Uh, I raised them up. They were gorgeous. Just the, the prettiest jewel yellow in between the black black uh, chunks on, on their back. Uh, you know, I, I my my brumation chamber because I'm in the you know the southern pit of hell uh, is a, is a wine cooler and it works great. Um, so I brumate my snakes in a wine cooler and. Uh, Pulled it out, man. I paired them together, and these they all these snakes were ready to go, man. And uh, these two boys fought. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got to see what male on male combat looks like, and probably the most aggressive snake on the planet. Uh, so that was that was pretty cool, man. Uh, but yeah, so you know, I sold I sold an adult male snake, sold it at my table. Uh, you know, people came up wanted to ask a million questions. You know, some people come up and just hey, how much for that one? Well, whatever. Uh, but I wanted to relay the idea. This snake is this old. This is why I'm selling. You know, if give give do a little due diligence on your side, and you'll you'll uh, it's 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 buyer protection, selling protection. Know know what you're buying, know what you're selling. Be be honest about it. Uh, you know, I, I'm asked talking about this like I sell a lot of animals, man. I, I don't sell a lot. Of, I don't sell a lot of stuff. I try to. I, I I hold back a lot of geckos. I, I'm notorious for giving friends geckos. I'm always like, hey man, you need to get on this. These are a badass. Here, take this one. And, and so I, I don't I don't like the business side of it, but I try to be as as, as honest and as savvy as I can be, uh, and that's one thing I guess we'll eventually get into with snakes. I plan on on breeding a lot of my snakes, but at the same time I'm also building a collection. It's a collection of animals I want around me that I get to experience. Uh, so, so talking yeah. a little bit about about selling the snakes, do you do any shows locally? I do. So uh, we started this year. Um, <laughs> Bad year to start. Uh, working with Sean Sean Gray over at the Hurt shows. Uh, he he's an angel, man. He's he's a sweetheart. Uh, him and Lori do such a great job. You've had him on your show. Uh, he he's a beast, man. The Hurt shows are 
so well organized and they care so much for their vendors. Uh, so, so me and my brother, and, and like I said, he's kind of the other half. Um, he, he, uh, we, we did a table this year and man, we, we almost sold out. It was best feeling in the world. And, and you know, I have sold my animals through other vendors, uh, before, but actually getting out there and meeting people and, and you know, kissing babies and shaking hands, uh, it's a special feeling, you know, it's, it's really neat after all these years of being on the other side of the table, uh, you know, being back behind the booth and, and, you know, I'm one of those guys that's like, I bring some adult animals. I want the kids to hold cargo and geckos and, you know, you pull out a crested gecko or something and some kid touches it for a mom and dad come over, you know, you, you got the corn snakes. Somebody sees these brilliant, bright candy cane looking animals. And it's just the best feeling. It's, it's, whether you sell that thousand dollar gecko or you sell the fifteen dollar gecko, it's 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 such a good uh, you build you build that momentary relationship with somebody. You put a smile on a kid's face for the first time. It's like that smile we got, you know. Uh, it's a it's, I, it's a good it's a good thing. I, I feel like people really really miss out on that experience because a lot of times people aren't aren't people persons or people people. Yeah. I understand and I'm not as much either, but like, it's nice that when you have corn snakes or when you have geckos or I don't, I don't a hundred percent understand why someone doesn't want to talk to the people across the table and doesn't yeah. want to show them their animals and get like a kid excited. I don't, I don't understand it. it it's I, I'm a very social person. Obviously I kind of rant a lot. Uh, but not everybody is. But if you can be on, on that side of the table and you find that equal tie to somebody, whether it's a child, whether it's an adult, whether it's your superior, whether it's your peer, that 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 little tie that brings you to them will will open up that social avenue. And yeah, some people are, you know, some people really shouldn't be vending shows, man. You just get to put them online, put them on Morph Market, send them an email telling you they ain't got no picture of the adults or something. I don't know. Do your thing. But well, they don't want to answer emails either. They don't want to sell that shows or answer uh, That's, you know, I, I could go, man, Joe, we talked for two hours about customer service and, and how, look, it's, I don't know, I can, it, especially like, I'm, I'm like a, I'm like a lineage guy with, with geckos. And I am the first person in the world that's going to tell you if I don't have that information, but I'm going to tell you where I bought it. You know, I write everything down, but, but man, if, 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 if so it is, just be nice to people. It's not that I'm not gonna rant too far on it, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. It's it's hard sometimes because like a lot of people get in touch with you, and I understand. And especially some people can be pretty, pretty low as far as uh, what you got, what snake you got. You got snake for sale, like, and don't speak in complete uh, sentences. I I try my best to to not uh, hold it against them, but sometimes just like I don't know. I, I, think, I think my favorite thing in all of this is say you post three or four animals online, you know, whatever avenue it is, Facebook, whatever, you know, uh, Mark Zellberg's going to come shut us down. But uh, you say you post four geckos, you know, you post the weights, post a little, in, 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 you know, a little lineage information. You get a message from somebody that just says how much? Oh, man, you tell me, make an offer. What are you talking about? I, you know, it's, 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 it's that it's a two-sided conversation, but as long as we do our best to kind of, kind of, kind of help people along, I think I think it gets you a better reputation. And, and I, 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 in the past, I've, I've harped on about reputation. You you don't you don't get to build your reputation. Other people get to do it for you. Uh, your 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 interactions with people, the animals you produce, or animals you don't produce. Maybe the animals you own, the animals you care for. You don't have to breed these animals. 
uh, you can enjoy every single animal that you ever see in herpeticulture uh, without without pairing it up. And in fact, I'll get on this later. If you really, really want to kill an animal, I suggest breeding it. That is the best way. To do it. <laughs> yeah, it, it has happened. I've spent a lot of money on 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 dead geckos. Uh, it's, it's part of, it's part of it. A lot of money. I lost a snake recently. It's, 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 you know, I'll tell that story in a little bit, but, but yeah, man, it, it's, you know, I don't know. I don't really know. I'm sorry. I'm ranting. <laughs> no, you're like, Hey, it's, it's really nice. I've kept this gecko really good. What yeah. I should do is put a male in there and have it hang on to its neck and then, you know, yeah. potentially fight each other. That should probably I, work out. good. I, I, at one point, uh, it was about three years ago. I had a pair or a trio of every, uh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna say every New Caledonian gecko. Somebody's gonna like message me later and be like, "You did not talk about the Eurodacaloides riculadas." Uh, but but I had all the main ones. I had the the uh, chihuahuas, cresteds, uh, leeches. I did not have any of the rachidacalus, terachyrhynchus, and terachiosophallus. I still that's how dare one. you? I know live bearing. You know, four thousand dollar geckos. My bad. Uh, <laughs> I had Corlophus serrasmorum. Uh, and I, and I, I, it was really neat because that was kind of when I was really getting big into gargoyles. And my Saras Norum, uh, I, I had a, a a stellar, I mean, white collar, uh, the, the coral, I, I don't even know the common name for coral or Saras Norum. They're kind of like a brown turd looking crested gecko without the crest. They're a little bigger. Um, they have an extremely prehensile tail. And uh, I, this female, dude, I got the best one. And I bought it from the biggest name in the hobby. Uh, and, and I did buy it as an adult, and, and I was, I mean, eight hundred dollars. It was a real expensive animal, and uh, sorry. Uh, and so I, I paired her up uh, with a real pretty male, real chocolate male I had. And uh, months went by, and, and you know, I, I, I see little marks on her neck. She was breeding. Finally, she had eggs. It's like a little flashlight you put on the back pelvis, you can kind of see eggs uh, uh, through their stomach. It's a good way to see how grabbing a female is uh, in, in some of these gecko species. And uh, man, I remember one night she was digging down her lay box and I was just so proud. I was like, oh, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna breed these guys. It's really neat, just just, just another species to work on. You know, I, you know maybe, maybe 10 or 15 species of geckos. This was like another one. And uh, came in the next morning, she was in that lay box dead uh, with two infertile eggs pushed out of her. And then what do you what do? You, do? you know, you, you, you know, send her to that great, you know, ice chest in the sky and move on uh you know i ended up giving that mail to to call vargas a close friend of mine and, and he's working with them and he's got babies on the way he's got a bunch of eggs uh it, it's you know that is that is part of this hobby you, you'll find it with leeches i, I my, my boy shrek and i might have to get him out later because he's he's sweet uh i he he they fight they they get in these altercations uh it's, it's usually because of breeding maybe it's cage size maybe it's it's uh uh, territorial disputes, but they tear each other up. Now, Shrek, uh, he lost both parts of his inner cheek, which he's uh, have healed up. He's missing toes. Uh, oh, <laughs> the female was missing a tail. I, I and like, I, I, I have to show you pictures. I, I don't try to post that too much online. These things get in, in fights. Sometimes you can hear it. You're getting there fast enough to break them up. But when you when you pair up leeches, and I, I'm not gonna rant on for a long time about leeches. They're they're very special species, and and then they're 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 uh, really 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 special to keep uh, in fact i highly suggest anybody looking for a single animal to raise and to have for a long time they're known to live over 40 years uh, extremely easy to keep uh but breeding them when you're pairing them up you actually probably want to stay up with them the night they're crepuscular so you want to kind of pair them up as the sun's going down 
usually in a neutral uh, <laughs> neutral zone, uh, kind of put them into a new cage. You don't want them smelling too much of each other's stuff. Uh, and, and wait, they're going to find each other, and you're going to hear some neat noises. You know, they chirp, they bark. Uh, they're, they're very vocal. Uh, some barks are good, some chirps are bad. Sometimes you have an aggressive male. Sometimes you have a female that just completely doesn't want any part of it. Uh, sometimes you wake up to a dead gecko, man. It's 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 a it's a dangerous thing to do with animals. And now there's some type of compatibility that needs to happen with lychees, right? Is it true that they can actually like pair? You know, yes. people use the term pair for life, I guess. But yeah, they they bond. It's 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 like a it's like a natural bonding. Uh, they they do bond in pairs. Uh, they to some extent, uh, not like chihuahua. Uh, chihuahua can bond in pairs, but they can also bond in trios. Um, they protect their eggs really, which is really neat. Uh, leeches do to some extent. I believe they've been seen in the wild, actually watching over their eggs, looking looking for predators. Um, but it, it, I do believe that some of them pair for life. Um, you know, there's 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 I think there's still research that needs to be done uh, as to whether the specific locales are different subspecies, specifically the insular animals and the GT animals, the main Grand Terror. Uh, animals are so different and so uh, distant from each other that they they seem at one point I believe they were subspecies of each other. But yeah, so so when these animals pair, they bond. They don't always stay uh, well bonded. Um, you don't want them in too big of an enclosure because they'll create separation from each other and have their own little territories. So that's one thing with leeches that kind of blows people away is, you know, I got these like 18 by 18 by 24 exoterras, great product, sturdy product. Uh, unless you have like GTs, which are huge, you don't really want to go too much bigger than this because then they'll generate their own areas. Sure, there's somebody out there that, that does it differently. So I do it. This is how, how my mentors and people I talk to have done it. Um, GTs require more room. Uh, Shrek's like just over 300 grams. He's a big guy. Uh, he's, he's, he's an insular uh, mix. But the GTs can be like five, six hundred grams or massive monsters. Uh, so, so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of thing with them. Uh, I have had I have a bonded pair now uh, that still gets a little tiffs. Usually, it's just like uh, bad breeding bites from the male, uh, which the females. Uh, I mean, I wish I could show pictures. Uh, they they heal so fast, it's so progressive. They'll shed like four times in one week. It's like a it's like a they're, they're supernatural almost. Um, but they, they are bonded. They, you know, they sleep next to each other on the glass. They, you know, they do things together. They'll kind of eat together. They'll drink out of their water bowl together. Uh, you can tell real fast when a pair is, is broken up and they do break up. Uh, that's, Shrek was paired with the female for a year and a half. Uh, and he, dude, they got into it one night. And I remember pulling apart his blood all over the place. It was what? disgusting. And, yeah, you, like, and, and the thing is, these geckos, if, unless you go in to get them, right, they're so lazy. <laughs> they're just kind of like sitting there and then they're like they floop on the ground and it's like oh man you're, you're such a you know they're not a very active animal so you can't imagine getting a fight and when you see them in fights they're so loud and so vocal and so visceral to each other it's it's a it's a very uh it's eye-opening it's very 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 mother nature man like it's, it's scary stuff so initially i mean are there any signs where you could tell that's fighting and that's not breeding behavior yeah man when they're missing limbs it's like a okay no, uh, the, the, the breeding behavior is very, uh, female being submissive and male being aggressive, uh, that you'll see, oh, almost broke myself. Uh, you'll see bites on the back of the female's neck, uh, bites on the back of her head. That's really normal. 
Uh, and that's just, they have such big jowls and such, they have massive teeth. They're, a bite from Moichi is like a little monitor, man. They're, they're very serious, uh, very aggressive biters. And uh, when you start seeing especially stuff on the jowls and on the cheeks, uh, stomach bites, sometimes they'll rip off each other's tails. It's really weird. They have these really short little prehensile tails with uh, lamellae on the end. So it's actually got like a toe on the end of its tail. They'll actually regrow their tails, which is like the weirdest thing in the world. Because <laughs> like crested geckos don't uh, regrow their tails, uh, but yeah, they. Uh, and I wish I could like show you. They're, like these guys are they're, they're they're just like sitting on a glass next to each other, whatever like this. And uh, so that's that's how you know they're bonded. You know they're they're so once they start being separate, once they start getting food aggressive, uh, and, and if if it happens in the middle of the night, and your house isn't really loud, you're gonna hear. You will hear them vocalize, and they'll start barking and chirping, and you'll. You hear them wrestling around. You know they're big geckos. You hear them fighting around in their cage. You uh, definitely separate them. Uh, limb, limb bites, stomach bites, jowl bites, any of that stuff. You want to, you want to immediately separate. Uh, you can re-establish those animals back together. I've heard of it happening. Uh, the best thing to do, uh, and again, it's my my suggestion. I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm not like I'm not like you know. I, I, I'm I'm just I'm just a guy. Uh, I would suggest putting them like in separate tubs or enclosures, taking that main where their establishment is and, and like sanitizing it, cleaning it, take everything, get rid of the dirt, get rid of the logs and then put all new stuff in. Um, or do you use, you know, say you got some, like I guess some gargoyle geckos, I'll swap out cages. Like, okay, well, I'm gonna put everybody over here. I'm gonna use this stick, whatever, you know, however you want to decorate it, swap those out. And, and, then, and then give them a, give them a week or two, make sure everybody's healed up. You'd be surprised how fast they heal. Blew my mind the first time I saw it. Uh, and then, uh, air back up, you know, middle of the night, put them together stick around, keep your flashlight in hand and, and, and give them a couple hours to see how they do. If they, they seem to be pretty tame within that first three to four hours, you're probably good overnight. See if they look like in the morning, if they're starting to hang out together again, boom, you got a, you got a nice pair, pretty, uh, and you're lucky you might get eggs and then, you know, you might get a pair of eggs. You might get a pair of infertile eggs. You might get four eggs in a year. You might get six eggs in a year. Uh, they're, uh, they're really, really interesting to keep and breed. There, there is so many little facets to them uh, that kind of, kind of go from there. So, have you hatched out uh, lychees? Mm -hmm. This will be my third year hatching lychees. So, I've got a pair. Uh, I got a pair of eggs that's due in about forty days. Um, last year, I think I hatched out seven, six or seven, something like that. Uh, and the year before, uh, I only got one fertile egg hatched out, though. So, so then that's the thing, man. You might. <laughs> You might spend a lot of lychees are real expensive. You might spend a lot of money on lychees and, uh, you know, you get yourself a pair and then, uh, you know, a couple grand into it, put them together and you might, they might, they might not agree. You might not get eggs. Uh, you might, you might still have two geckos, but you know, that's this, this, this male up here and, uh, the female below, which I'm not even, she's not in a good mood right now. Uh, they're, they're never going to pair up again. And, and, you know, I keep talking about Shrek. This, this gecko just means a lot. I've had him for a long time. He has become so special to me uh, and, and even my family and my daughter loves him and stuff. He he's, I'm not going to pair him up again. I'm afraid something's going to happen to him. And, 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 you know, he's not like, a, I don't, you know, I take him out. I hold him. I show him to people. People love him. He's, he's cool, but I, I don't know. I'll take him, you know, I don't, I don't anthropomorphize him beyond being a reptile, but, but he is part of my kind of reptile family. And, and I don't want to see something else happen to him. So I have had babies from him and I've got buddies that, uh, you know, I actually given away a few of his babies. So, so I get to watch them grow, but 
it's not it's not a guaranteed thing. But yeah, so this this will be the this will be my third season uh, with the Luchis. And are eggs similar to say like uh, crested geckos, gargoyle geckos? Are all those eggs pretty similar? They're the so the the really the only difference between a crested gecko to a gargoyle to a lychee is going to be size and kind of how they hatch. Uh, crested geckos hatch in a, in a blaze of glory. Uh, gargoyles and lychees are both in that you know rachidactylus family. They they start sweating. They start they start coming out little bits by little bits of pulp, a little nose out. And a couple of days sometimes get out. Uh, lychees are identical, just longer incubation times. Uh, if you're in the, you know, 80 to 82 degrees, don't go any hotter than that. Maybe, maybe 84. If you just really want to leachy coming out fast, you might see 90 days. I've seen 140 days, 138 days, uh, for a leachy to hatch. In fact, hold on one second. Oh yeah, this is cool. Let me show you something. They, they take a long time to come out. So you'll have, look, you see this little guy, little gargoyle gecko coming out. Oh damn! <laughs> so, you know his little head's poked out, uh, and he he's coming out. So what I do when I start seeing him sweat, uh, so the eggs uh, release an enzyme, so that the, uh, the the gecko's egg tooth has a little bit easier time cutting out. I, I put them into little enclosures, well, yeah, a little belly cup, a little moist towel in there, so they hatch on their own. Um, you know they they get out. Sometimes they'll hatch in the middle of night. Now you got a gecko just like flipping over all the other eggs. You know. So, so I, I like to do that. I, I usually catch them sweating. Uh, they sweat for about eight hours before they start tipping. Some, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. That's not, you know, not a scientist. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they'll, they'll kind of poke their nose out, they'll poke their head out. That guy was pipping this morning, so he'll probably come out sometime eh, tonight, tomorrow. So um, what does incubation look like in comparison to just that deadly cup with moist towel? What do you mean? So oh, what does incubation uh, medium and everything look like? Uh, so, so, uh, I use either vermiculite or perlite, uh, standard mixture. Um, I put mine in, in sealed. Uh, I use those bento boxes from uh, Walmart. And uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll maybe, so so my room uh, here in Corpus Christi, I'm, I'm about, about a 500 yards from the, from the ocean. So I have pretty high humidity in here. Maybe it's 55 to 60% all the time. Uh, and with specific animals, I gotta be really careful to keep the humidity out. Um, so I'll use, I'm using Paralyte. I used Paralyte last season. I've used Vermiculite for 19 years, and I swear I just wanted to see the eggs on a different color medium. Uh, I, I swear, I don't know what it was. I was like, I'm going Paralyte. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm incubating my snake eggs right now on Vermiculite, but uh, uh, you know, you just, I, I'm not, I'm not going to suggest how to mix the, the Paralyte or Vermiculite. You'll look that up, find out what works for you. Uh, but I use my bento boxes, and I take a paper towel, I crumble it up. So they have these two little squares. I'm not going to, I want to grab it and show you, but I'll, I'll knock it over and I'll kill all the eggs. Uh, uh, it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Uh, I, oh, here, I'll show you real quick. Hold on. No, 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 no. Don't risk any eggs. No, no, I'm not, I'm not. So this is a bento box. Uh, name brand. I'm actually sponsored by these guys. Uh, this is from Target. I'm just kidding. Um, so I have a little bit of water in this side. And then I put a dry paper towel over here. And then so I keep my eggs relatively dry. But if you notice, there's a lot of condensation on the lid. You got to be really careful. You don't wanna get too much water on the eggs. So these waters are okay. So what this does is almost like a sim container. The, the reason for the, the paper towel is it collects a little bit of the excess humidity coming off the lid. The reason for the water is it keeps, keeps my humidity up. And then I have 
a drier incubation medium so that it doesn't promote as much uh, mold. And I found that this works great. Again, uh, anybody out there, please don't do this because it'll probably kill all your eggs. Uh, it, <laughs> that's the it most intense, uh, brilliant kind of little design that I've seen. So if anyone wants to check out the video, you can actually see how to uh, how to do that. And it's just interesting. I've never seen anyone do it like that. I, I, I knew I wanted to up my humidity without up, upping the uh, amount of moisture on the actual eggs. Um, but then you wanted to kind of find something that was going to wick that moisture off. And, and I do that with just a dry paper towel. So I always have humidity being generated by the water in there. But I always have humidity being wicked by that paper towel. You can change that, that paper towel out every once in a while. You know, it's going to get soft and wet. You, you'll kind of see. And it, it works. It, it, you know, I think uh, there, there's some really complex things out there. Uh, sometimes, sometimes we can find something really simple like that that works. That kind of just checks all those boxes. Um, it, it's like, so I, I, I guess as far as incubation goes, I incubate these guys on top of some snake racks. Uh, it's about 78 degrees uh, kind of all the time. Uh, in fact, one of my snakes, if I have something come out of uh, quarantine, I like to put them on top. I wish I could show you over here. I guess, I guess snakes just come out of quarantine. I actually keep them in their quarantine tubs post cleaning on top of snake racks because I know that they're about 78 degrees. Uh, and I've got, I have hygrometers and uh, temperature, uh, things that tell you the temperature. I don't know what those are called. Uh, I've got them all over the room. Oh, thermometers, those. All right, man, I get it. It's a thermometer. Uh, so, so yeah, so like, so I'm an, I'm an engineer. And so I'm constantly uh, analyzing parameters. I'm like the guy that like weighs, I weigh geckos, I weigh snakes. I, I weigh, so uh, post-brumation, I will weigh my snakes. Uh, once I start pairing, I'll weigh my snakes. Uh, once I get a pre-ovulation shed, I weigh my snakes. And then uh, post egg laying, I weigh my snakes. Uh, that way I can kind of see where all those little, uh, I, I'm kind of overanalyze certain things. Those, those parameters will let me know in the future uh, what's the healthy way to breed this snake at. What, you know, the, the, you know the, I just got a clutch of corn eggs the other day. Uh, female was 428 grams. On the day of uh, pre-lay shed, she laid 13 beautiful eggs. Uh, post egg laying, she know that yeah that, that, that ran out uh, to a toothpaste look. Uh, she was 300 and, 308 something like that. I wrote down. Uh, you know, neat to analyze. You know, where 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 are the healthy parameters for the animals in your collection? Uh, so so I don't I don't necessarily think it's important to analyze all of those parameters for everybody. Uh, but it's but it's neat. It's like your own little science experiments. You can kind of do that with it. Yeah, I think that that's like the most responsible way to do things. Definitely not how I do it, just because I feel like that would take out all the fun for me to do. <laughs> Some people are like built to do it that way, and I respect that. And I wish I was one of you. But uh, no, I, it's I I, I don't I, I don't always sleep a ton. <laughs> uh, sometimes I overanalyze things, and so so I, I said I said before. Uh, my, 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 any of my successes are, are mirrored in kind by failures. <clears throat> so, so let, let's just, you know, I'll talk about some of the snakes I'm breeding. Uh, I got these two corn snakes. I had planned pairings. Uh, so, so that, uh, I have a really pretty, uh, she's a reverse OGD, high red, not really sure if there's any red factor things, whatever's going on. Uh, still trying to figure that out. She, she wasn't, uh, not a really big lineage animal. Uh, you've seen her, she's beautiful. Uh, and I paired her with a, uh, a male stripe, uh, Tessera, 
I don't know if I say tester right. Sorry. That's how I say it, but I, most people call it tesser, but I call it tester. Uh, so. Yeah, tes, tester of sound. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's from uh, Don Soderberg over at uh, SMR. Uh, so he is head albino and, and head anery, and we know that because uh, I trust that lineage. Uh, and, and, and so paired them up. And, 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 you know, I'd like to find out one, if that female is head anery, because so many of them are, you know, head snow, whatever, whatever the right terminology would be. So many of them are, uh, so many AML animals have that in them. Uh, and then also that's the project I want to work towards. I, I'm probably going to keep most of that clutch back, um, because I want to create his, his this striped animal is perfect. And if I could take that and get the colors of that female, uh, you know, may, may take a few generations of line breeding, but man, that's, that's a great project, <clears throat> but but then uh, unlike what I was saying, I had a, a silver queen, uh, which is a line bred, and I don't I don't remember who the originator of that line was, but I believe it's the Miami Ghost, uh, just the most beautiful ghost you can have, barely any patterning on her, almost no yellow. Uh, again, raised this animal up. Actually, not completely true. Uh, very close friend of mine raised her up from a hatchling. I've had her for a couple of years. I actually didn't breed her last year because I didn't have something good to pair her to. Uh, I think planned pairings is a good idea. You really want to really know what you're going for. You don't want to just throw animals together just uh, willy-nilly, see what's going to happen. Uh, and so I've got this, this JMG, uh, just the pinkest uh, coral snow. I may not say all of these uh, uh, morphs, right? I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the best with the names. Well, no, I mean, really, I'm not that picky about it. I know my projects. Some of the other ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, but th this guy, I mean, he is the pinkest, the most beautiful. He's got those green saddles, you know, when they, they get that perfect coloration on him. And, you know, he, he's, he's, he's pure JMG. So he's JMG to JMG back, back to what he is. Gorgeous. And uh, I paired him up. I actually paired him and that AML up. Uh, I'm sorry, both pairs around the same time. Uh, I actually saw visual locks with him and her. And so I, I, man, I'm probably getting ahead of myself. I'm lucky with breeding snakes because I don't really have a winter. Like it gets a little cold. Not really. So I just have a wine wine cooler so I can do my, you know, 10 weeks of brumation. Uh, I, actually, you put a little air stone in there. Uh, so if anybody's planning on putting snakes in a wine cooler, make sure you're about 55 to 58 degrees and you put an air stone for like a aquarium in there. Just make sure air's going. I'm sure you could open it up and check on them daily. You can do whatever. I, I don't know the best way uh, to do that, but I know that if I'm aerating that, 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 that uh, enclosure, uh, they're, they're going to have ample amounts there. Now you still want to be checking on them. I mean, I, I thought about brooding animals, but so that's how I did. It. So I got them both at the same time. I got everybody fed up around the same time, paired them up. And that female went to pan. She went gray just about the same time as the AML did. AML did her pre lay shed, <clears throat> did great. Uh, and, and then, and then that, that uh, ghost just, she just didn't shed. Uh, not really sure what was going on. And uh, she she was plump. You could feel the eggs in her. You know, I, I, I felt her when she was ovulating. I knew when she was she was gravid. And I took her out. I soaked her in about a half inch of water. Uh, this was her skin started shedding off a little bit. And, and my humidity's high. I get perfect sheds out of everything. I mean, I, I got Chinese beauties that shed. And don't even have to worry about tail, tail tips or anything. Um, and and man, I pulled her out, and I could just tell she was lethargic. I, I knew that this you know. I, I kind of knew she wasn't going to make it in, in Friday night. Snakes died in my hands. You know, it, it's, it, it's, 
you you put you could put every level of completion and accuracy into all of these animals and uh, i hope i'm not talking about a bunch of animals dying i've only had a couple uh out, out of out of quite a few uh but you could put your whole heart into this you put all your emotion in this you put all of your analytics into this you put all your accuracy into this and, and you still have that that beautiful snake that you love your daughter loves your, your wife thinks she's just gorgeous you have that planned pair you knew this pair was going to produce beautiful babies you knew it and it's dead in your hands and that's only on you it's 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 not not you know not it, you decided to do that. You decided to pair these animals up, whether she died egg bound or whatever. Now I, I did, I did freeze her. I would like to get a necropsy done in the future. Right now, the only exotic vet that's close to me is closed. You know, 220, 2020 is really kicking everybody's ass. Uh, but, but yeah, man. So, so, so those, those, uh, those successes can be mirrored uh, directly by, fa by failures. And, 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 and that failure can be in your hands just as well as that success can. So, so, you know, it's one thing you really got to prepare for. Yeah, and that's something to where that really makes or breaks you. You're either going to decide to keep on going or that's going to put a hamper on things. And I think that everyone goes through that. And I mean, the yeah. people who have, like yourself, I mean, people have been around 20 years or so, you're going to get those situations. And the fact Absolutely. that you're it, like, it gives credit to the fact that you're not, you're really, you know, you're not, you're not going to oh, yeah. be as bad. These uh, I'm I'm gonna have these animals as as pets. I'm gonna have them as as long as I can. Uh, whether whether uh, I'm sorry, my phone just went off. I need to put it on. I don't know. It's off now. Uh, I, I I want I want I want to have these animals as, as long as I can in, in my care. I, I I didn't I didn't get any of them because I didn't want to care for them. I didn't get any of them as a, as a, as you know. Are there projects? Yes. Uh, I think I think I talked to you a little bit before the podcast. I, I got this like Noah's Ark syndrome i like getting an animal uh, uh for a while uh i, I bred uh pachydactylus tigrinus uh which is the Zimbabwe tiger gecko it is one of the pachydactylus uh, uh species their micro geckos are super cool they're communal you can leave the babies in they lay their eggs in, in sand and stuff and uh i had those for for a little bit more than a year i raised them up from puppies they, they, they did great i was able to hand feed them my little monitor super cool little species and uh, but then I ended up taking that project and passing it on to somebody else. That's that that's part of this hobby too. You you don't keep. Not everything ends up being you know it's not not everything's a lifetime pet, uh, and that's something everybody's got to remember. But I was absolutely guaranteed one hundred percent ready to keep those animals for the rest of their lives if need be. Oh, yeah, that's that's them, man. They're they're really neat. That's that's man. Yeah, they they hunt. It's almost like they hunt in packs. You throw a bunch of little. Uh, Crickets, they're tiny. So you can throw little pinhead crickets or even uh, fruit flies, especially the babies. Um, and you can throw them in there. Man, they'll all come out of different. I got, I got videos of them eating. They're really, really cool. Uh, and, 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 you know, why didn't I keep them? I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it, it just some of the desert species um, are a little more difficult. I had a lot of rosy bows for a while until I, I – so I, I live in a wildlife preservation um, in fact, I, I'm like 500 yards from where Jake from the Herpeticulture podcast got bit by an Aatrox. Uh, so we, we have about 30,000 Aatrox right down the street. I, I see them all the time, almost every day. And uh, so so I found out that uh, boas, pythons, varanids, and certain species of rear fang snakes are illegal. Um, so that's, you know, 
I'm one of those people that's not going to risk any local laws. I'm not going to risk my election. You know, I, I got species of snakes. I spent, I spent a long time looking for years. I, I've been on waiting lists for certain animals for years. Uh, you know, I, I'm still on waiting list to be able to find animals. You, you find some of these breeders, there's still snakes out there that I, that I just cannot find. I can't find people working with them. Yeah. And is that something that, as far and I know someone else who lives in Texas who had a situation like that, as far as local local laws and stuff like that. How did you yeah. how'd you figure that out eventually? So for me, when I got my uh, one was living uh, next to a wildlife uh, reservation. The other one was when I got my business license. So in order to be able to vend shows, uh, you want to be able to have your business license. Also, you need to be paying your taxes. Uh, you know, I'm just one of those people. Let's 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 not. Let's not lie to anybody. Let's just do the best we can. <laughs> you know, pay pay your taxes, do your thing, do your part. You don't have to, whatever. I didn't say that allegedly, but uh, <laughs> but I got my business license so that I knew. Uh, you know, and also I spent 15 years building the career that I'm in now. I'm not gonna risk that over over anything else, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a passion, whether it's a lifetime love. Uh, you know, I, I'm gonna do everything as legally and, and completely as possible. Uh, so if I'm if, so, anyways, in in getting that, I, I'm I'm a nerd, <laughs> and so I started looking into like city ordinances and like what animals can't can't keep. One of the things that brought this up is so, uh, and we'll kind of maybe maybe talk a little bit about uh, the pitchy office complex. So my goal over the last four four a little maybe five years has been to find all to collect and keep all of the pitchy office species, uh, all of them. Um, as you know, Ruvenai, the uh, Louisiana pine snakes are a protected species in Texas. So I went to great lengths to find out how I could have them here. And you can, uh, there, there are some stipulations. You cannot breed them, you cannot sell them, but you can have them. Uh, there, 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 is, there is ways to do that. Uh, so you, you have to prove where you got them. Uh, I believe you have to get them out of state. You have to have an interstate commerce license regardless, uh, bringing them across state lines. So like I got black pine snakes, uh, kind of similar, but because they're not protected in Texas, all I have to do is have an interstate commerce license to get them outside of Texas. I did buy mine in Texas. Uh, but so looking into the Louisiana pine snakes, I started working on the paperwork with Fish and Wildlife to be able to have them. I just wanted them in my collection. Uh, my decision to not bring them into my collection is kind of that pay it forward mentality. Uh, I don't plan on breeding everything I have every year but I do want to try and have success with all the species that I do have. So whether that, and that's the reason why I don't have, but anyways, in, in that long, very long explanation for a very simple thing, as I was going through the laws to make sure I was doing everything right, I noticed, and, and then talking to some guy, you know, the dude down the street with like a Python hanging on his neck, isn't going to get in trouble. They're not going to bust you for any of this stuff unless somebody's complaining, uh, which they shouldn't be anyways, if you're doing it, your due diligence to be, you know, be a, be a neighborly person. Um, there's, there's requirements for the distance in which you can have a certain number of animals from your house in this County. Uh, I have to be from my, from my collection to the next person's front door. I have to be 500 feet, which is less than you think actually. Uh, but that's, that's a stipulation in, in my County. Uh, so that would mean if, you know, if I had it, you know, it, it, anyways, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of little infinite, uh, Things you can get into, but Nueces County is a little, little strict, so I don't, I can't have any bows, pythons. You know, I love Morelia, I love, love chondros, stuff like that. Can't, can't, uh, can't have it, and, and honestly, just won't risk it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at some point, it's not worth it. And plus, I mean, you've been into all these things that 
you don't necessarily need those species. You have uh, plenty <laughs> of species to have fun with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, uh, started with Pitchophis, then it kind of went over to Pantherophis, and that kind of uh, dribbled down into Bogertrophis. And then now, you know, um, I'm on that endless looking for Stenocolis. So that's that's kind of... Oh, damn. I, I, I will have them. I will. Uh, you I, saw Casey Lazic produced them, right, this year? I, 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 you know what? I don't, I'm not sure exactly who that is. I probably should know, and I'm very sorry. Uh, but, I, but that's, I, yeah, that, that's a bad one. Sorry. Should I? He, he also bred like shingleback skinks. Oh, 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 oh. is he the guy rough, rough scales? Rough scales as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. He's, he's basically the man. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Then, yeah, I definitely know. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, him, uh, the guy that I got my uh, Rosalie from, uh, he, he actually breeds them. I'm not getting his name out. So none of you scumbags can get on his list. I'm on his list. Leave him alone. Uh, but like Baja rats, uh, I actually have two different localities of them. Uh, that's that's a species that just like looking for it. Uh, it's, it's similar to Stenocolis. Um, there's not a ton of information out there. There is there is there is information out there though. And if you, if you find the right people to talk to, you can. Don't be afraid to message somebody and ask them, "Hey man, how you doing?" That you might get an fu every time, uh, but you'll find somebody who's going to help you out. Uh, one of the one of the people that produce one of the localities that I have. Uh, was was helping me out. Uh, Dusty Rose wrote a great book on Bogertrophus. Uh, I may not be saying that right, so I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like the the weirdest, you know, uh, Stabacularis and uh, so Transpagos rat snakes and Baja rats. Uh, so yeah, those those uh, there, there, there's books out there on all that stuff, and, and that's you know that that's one thing I'll kind of promote to any, anyone listening. Try to man find things you really love and, and try to generate. For me, it's a collection. Uh, will these animals be bred? That's the, that's the goal. Uh, but I don't, I don't have my, my projects that maybe I want to try to stimulate my funds for other projects are probably going to be uh, more simple, more, more direct animals. Uh, it's, you know, I'm not going to go to a restaurant show with a table full of Baja rats or something and try to, Hey kids, it's a perfect first snake. You know, that's, that's not, it's probably not the best way to promote this hobby and, and to build new people in it. You know, there's, I got a lot of, a lot of species that are really easy to keep. Um, at where, are you at, where are you at now on Pituophis? I mean, do you have uh, most of the species that are available? I have most of the species. Uh, I, I, I'm this year. My goal, uh, is to hopefully get Pituophis, uh, lineaticollis. Uh, there's actually two subspecies of those. As far as I know, this may be wrong. Only the lineaticollis and lineaticollis are, are produced in captivity. Uh, a lot of the, the Mexico stuff and the Baja stuff, it's hard to get a hold of. So like I have uh Pitchophis vertebralis, uh, but I do not have Pitchophis bimeris. Um, the bimeris, I just, I know there's people out there that produce them. Also, you can't. Cape gophers? Uh, yeah. So one is the Baja Cape gopher and one is the Cape gopher. So, ah, so easy to. <laughs> it's, yeah. and, and it's at one point they were bimeris, bimeris, bimeris vertebralis, but I believe that's been swapped up. One starts red and goes dark and one starts dark and goes red. Uh, but they, they, and also you don't, you know, it, and you know this, you don't want to buy a hundred animals in a year. You don't want to, you know, you, you want to space out building something like this. And, and like I said, it's been about five years. Um, as far as all the pitch of his catenifer, uh, which is going to be your bull snakes, pine snakes, I have three localities of bull snakes, as well as I think I have every morph in the catalog. So uh, albinos, anneries, patternless, white-sided, and hypo 
Uh, there are two lines of hypos, two lines of anery. I don't, I don't have every line of hypo and every line of anery, but I do have combinations of all of that stuff. Uh, and then I also have some F1s and some F0s uh, of some Texas localities, which are awesome. I love the locality stuff, but I also like the more stuff. Um, but the only cantenifer that I don't have uh, is is the two insular species. There are Santa Cruz and then Catalina Island. I might be wrong on that. And again, that's just, I believe one of them is a protected species and nobody, uh, one's Palmaris and I'm not even going to try to say the other one. I don't know if anybody's even working with them. Uh, you know, you can go through your, your regular avenues. There's some, some big names out there. And I know you know a lot of the pitch names. I think you even had uh, Jason Nelson on here. Uh, a lot, a lot of these guys are, are great sources of information. I've gotten, you know, animals from him. What working with some of the other other big guys, but yeah. So other than that, uh, yeah. And then I don't have any in Louisiana pines because uh, Texas. <laughs> Texas is really, 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 really lenient on a lot of stuff. There's like I can't have reticulated banded geckos, which is Polyonyx reticulatus, uh, and then like like a couple other things. I mean, it's it's pretty 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 wide open. Pretty sure I can have tigers. That's that's my next step. I'm gonna start working with felines. Hey brother, you might get that. Uh, was it taxoplasmosis or whatever? Maybe that's what oh. makes all them go crazy. Hell yeah! You get oh. like a brain parasite from uh, from cat shit, right? Oh, that's. I mean, if there was ever a dream of my life, Joe, that's what it is. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, yeah. it be you. That's why all those. That's why all those people are crazy, man. <laughs> that is definitely not the meth. You know what I mean? That doesn't even like it barely affects you. I, I did. I did two whole methamphetamines today. I mean, that was just breakfast. Uh, anyways, man. Yeah. So no, uh, you know, black pines. Uh, this year, uh, pairing up. I paired up. I paired up some of my uh, some of my Nueces County bull snakes. These are my little homegrown babies. Uh, they're monsters. Bull snakes are some of the neatest locality animals out there. Kankakee bull snakes. There's even uh, like Alberta, Canada. There's some that go up like in Canada. They're smaller. They're darker. They're black. And then you start getting south down here, you know, just south of here is Claybird County, everybody, you know, the infamous uh, Kingsville Reds. Uh, so, so the Nueces County animals are really peach. You, you can go a little bit more uh, west and you'll, you'll hit the uh, McMullen County. I've, I've got some of those animals, just gorgeous, gorgeous patterns, colors. They're all a little bit diverse in every little uh, population you go to. Um, so I, I paired up my, some Nueces this year. I actually didn't roommate them. I hadn't planned on pairing them up. God, they're both six foot long. They're plenty of size. And I was just like, ah, we'll try it. You know, they're the females over three years old, the male, male's young. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't have any dreams or aspirations that really happened this year, but I'm comfortable with her being paired. Uh, him, I mean, uh, if the guy doesn't do it, it's not going to hurt him. You know what I mean? Uh, but then I've got some San Diego stuff, uh, some Dyer's albino. I, I'm looking at the labels because I don't remember. Uh, with Morris, I always forget the name. Uh, Dyer's albino and stripe. So San Diego, I know, I know you've probably heard this. There's uh, there's four different lines of albino, and I think there's anyways they're they extremely convoluted. But I got, I got a beautiful wild type female that's het uh, for both of those Morris and uh, and then I got a male that's visual for both. Uh, and then yeah, as far as pines go, I've got I've got some the New Jersey giants. I've got my northern pines are the uh, you know high, the, the high white animals with a lot of black. Um, but they're, they're from, a, from a line of, from three different localities back in the day, they called them Jersey giants. I don't know if they call them anymore, but mine are six months old. I think they're like 400 and something grams. I don't know. They could eat a corn snake. 
they're pretty they're pretty big for being six months old. Uh, yeah, as far as pachovas goes, that's that's that. I've got some albino uh, southern southern pine stuff. I have both. So there's only one line of albino southern pine, but there's two different variants of it. I have both variants of it. Um, yeah, that's yeah. That's, those southern pines when they get to be red and white, yeah, with age are just amazing looking. So there's there's the red and white line well they're not lines it's weird they come out of the same clutch you can have a clutch with both different colorations they're polymorphic animals anyways right like everyone looks a little different but then you have some that are like really peachy cream uh in the leucistics uh which which i'll, I'll hopefully have this year um there's there's three different colorations there's pink leucistics white leucistics and yellow leucistics uh and those bred together will give you all different variations of those uh those in that same clutch I don't know if there's other things, you know, there's, there's hypomelanistics, there's patternless, there's other things, maybe working with those genes that are just tag-alongs that people haven't realized just, or maybe haven't done a lot of line breeding with. Uh, but I do know that those animals come in a bunch of different uh, colors. It's really, Southern pines are great. Uh, other than the fact that they're like for sure out of all of them, the least happy. Uh, really? Yeah. I, I think out of North, Northern pines are like, if you can deal with the size, they're probably the nicest. Oh, and then the Mexican pines. Mex uh, so, so uh, North. I have North Mexican pines. The Pichofis depi Johnny, uh, but I, but I have yet to find any depi depis. Um, again, I know that there's people that work with them. Uh, it's just not overloading myself with too much. Uh, you know, you know. Bring, bring Those aren't small snakes. No, no, and then you need to have your room prepared. You need to be prepared to be able to put all of these animals into adult size enclosures when you buy them as a, as, as a baby, uh, you know, bull snakes are, I, I think a bull snake should be in captivity about six foot. Some of them are going to get bigger than that. Some of them are going to be smaller than that. My Kankakee females over three years old. And she's like, I think she's under five foot still. My, my Nueces County female is three years old and she's over, she's about six, she's about five and a half, six foot. And, and so, so every one of these species has different, uh, different sizes and you can, you can keep them in a lot of different ways. I, I will, uh, I will say, so I, I, I've kind of started doing this thing and we'll get there when we start talking about rat snakes, I'm doing bioactive, what I'm calling bioactive tubs. Uh, I like, I like bioactive enclosures. I think that anything that's going to ease your cleaning is great with the pitchy office. Uh, they don't. They don't do the best in that because they are, as you know, they, they kind of poop pretty, pretty rowdy. Uh, they, they poop for keeps, man. They, they, uh, when, when they go, they go, man. And, and you, you might be cleaning a whole enclosure every time they poop. I, I do like keep them on substrate. I think the bitchy office really, really, really do excel on like an aspen bedding. Uh, I'm sure you can use care fresh or something like that. I'm allergic to like all of it. So yeah, I always wear gloves in my pictures. Um, they, they like to burrow down. They like to dig down. Uh, they like dark enclosures. They like opaque enclosures. I have tried bulls in a naturalistic setups that were really pretty similar to these proper heat, heat panel. And they don't, they don't do well. They start getting extremely defensive. As you know, uh, pitchovers can be really, really sassy animals. And, uh, usually, usually you can calm them down. Usually you can, uh, you can keep them pretty tame. Uh, but the way to do that is through proper temperatures and kind of secluding them. Uh, once you start, really letting them see everything that's going on in a room. Uh, I, I think they don't do as well. 
Uh, whereas, whereas kind of like, if you look at the rat snakes, I think it's kind of what drew me towards the rat snakes as well. It's kind of one of some snakes I was going to be able to see. Because uh, I do plan on doing bioactive kind of display enclosures on a lot of these animals. Um, which, again, that's plan for the future. Don't, don't get a, 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 you know, a pair of corn snakes might be pretty easy, uh, but, but a pair of bull snakes uh, are not going to go in that 20-gallon long. It's not going to work. They, they, uh, they, get pretty, they get pretty beefy, man, and they, they eat a lot. Uh, so that's, that's Yeah, and they definitely, uh, at least some of them, the, the food response can be pretty pretty crazy and i mean these are these are animals that stay underground a lot of the time so uh they don't necessarily love you <laughs> no they you you can get them to where they're 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 very formidable with handling you know my, my daughter i you know i got f1 bull snakes they're the first generation captive bred bull snakes my daughter will hold them she's three and a half years old uh, i think i even posted a picture recently about her with her holding one uh early well me holding it but yeah, her being involved in the holding of it and, and they're fine. Some of them don't do that. Some of them don't swap over. Uh, some species, I, 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 I think, you know, I, have, I don't have any experience with Louisiana pines, but I know the, the more south you get, the more hot-tempered they get. Uh, but then, you know, you get into the, like, the depies, the, 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 the Mexican pine snakes. They're kind of just like northern pine snakes. They're really, in my experience, very tame. Uh, so that's... Uh, I... I I don't know. I think Pitchyophis get a little bit of a bad rap sometimes. I think they get kept a little too hot. Uh, sometimes I think they get maybe overfed to where they're uh, overstimulated by food. Um, you know, sometimes people, I, I, know, I know there's people out there that get bull snakes to six foot in a year and a half, you know, and maybe that's not the best. Uh, you know, my, my male pine snake or one of my male bulls kind of got that big on his own. Uh, I, I got a, I got a two and a half year old Kankakee male that's fed on the same schedule as a, two-year-old Nueces County bull and the Nueces County bull not only would eat him, he'd eat his mom, he'd eat his next door neighbor. He's, he's massive. He's, he's somehow, I don't know, this guy's like a, he's just like a nuclear apocalypse Godzilla snake, but it's, they're all different. And you got to read them. You got to, you got to be a student of them. You got to learn them. You got to, you got to know what they're doing. And, and uh, I, don't, I don't know, kind of ranting. I'm sorry. <laughs> as far as the, the temperament goes on the gophers, and like I don't know, obviously you don't have the the lineatus. Is that how you lineatus? Lineaticalis, I think. Lineata. There's a T in there, and then yeah, yeah. Uh, I do you know if those are a little bit more flighty in comparison to say like the bulls and pines who may have that defense yeah. posture and stuff like that? So your your Sonoran gophers, in my experience are a little bit closer to bulls in that kind of defensive posture that, you know, the, 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 the uh, can't even say it, but they're the, the noise they make. And I, and I know the name of the, uh, of the organ that they have, the epiglottis, uh, their, their motto, the, the, their, their, their uh, evolved epiglottis that allows them to make that hissing sound. They all do it super cool. What's really neat is they all sound a little different, which is kind of, you know, any one of these things can be defensive at any time. Maybe you're cleaning the enclosure out. You drop the water bowl. It makes a loud noise. But they all have different tones, and, and, and so that's that's kind of a, a, a neat little idiosyncrasy to see about these animals. Um, but yeah, so your your San Diego gophers are probably like the most most corn snake esque. Again, these are going to be my personal reflections of, of my collection and the animals I've worked with over the years. Uh, I have actually had bull snakes and pine snakes going way back, uh, never never to this scale, I guess. 
Um, so I find that San Diego's are like the chillest, man. They're, they're super calm. They're, they're kind of like chubby corn snakes. They got a lot more, more girth to them. Uh, as you go up the coast, so, so you have your uh, Athens, which is your Sonorans. They, they kind of streamline bull snakes a little bit. They're a little more flighty, a little less defensive, if that kind of makes sense. Bull snakes are like defensive. They're like, they're like the Louisville sluggers of, of, of these snakes. And when, they, when, when, they're, when they're mad, you know it. You, your next door neighbor probably knows it. Uh, so, then, so then when you go into your Athens, which is snoring gophers, they, they, the separation between the two is they're a little bit flightier. Uh, and also, you know, we, we can kind of drive this from how, how far into captive breeding are we uh, on these animals? Have they, have they been line bred for 16 generations? Now you have these crazy, you know, patternless, uh, you know, crazy four or five morph combo snakes. Well, F1s or even like a wild caught, what's, what's, the, what's the difference there? So, so then you get to your Anectins, which are going to be your, uh, your San Diego's. I may have swapped those up. I've been drinking. I don't know. <laughs> And, and so your San Diego's are like super chill. And, and, and even from what I've read in, in the wild, they're extremely uh, calm. Mine, even from babies, never did the defensive posture. I've never heard them uh, do their little kind of pitch off his hiss. Uh, and then as you, as you kind of go up that stream, uh, you'll run into your Pacific gophers, which are your cantenifer cantenifer. And they're kind of uh, similar to the San Diego's. They're a, little, they're a little thinner of a snake, but they're, they're still kind of on that chubby side. And then that goes in your Great Basins, which is your Desert Acolos. And they're a little, a little more defensive. Uh, the Desert Acolos, I believe, come from a little bit uh, smaller range, a little bit more spread out range. Uh, so that, that's kind of that's their deal. My, mine also on those are F1s, so they may be, may, that may be the reason they're a little more defensive. Um, as far as the pines go, really, really my Southern pines and, and half of my Black pines really hate me. Um, I have yet to meet a Southern pine that was really happy to be held. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my, my, uh, uh, my, my black pines, uh, both uh, as babies were great. And now at about a little over two years old, uh, kind of creeping on three years old. Uh, one of them has just become uh, real defensive. The other one hasn't. Kind of the way they are. Uh, I also have not tried to grow any of these snakes really fast. Uh, pine snakes, I think, are, are a four-year project for anybody that wants to get into breeding them. Uh, I think that you can do yourself a favor and kind of push any pitchy office at least three years for females, maybe four years. Uh, you got to remember these snakes have huge eggs. Oh, you know that you got Louisiana pines, massive eggs. Uh, you, you could probably pair them up at four years, four years old and be, feel really good about it. Uh, three years on some of the uh, more Southern species is probably fine. Uh, my black pines, I may never pair them up. Uh, that's, that's just one of those things, you know, and they're, they're not easy to, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, they're, they're, I got to get rid of them uh, or, or I got to keep them. And uh, for me, it's, you know, at some point, I definitely want to want to carry on those genetics to somebody, uh, somebody else. But, I, but I'd want to make sure that I had people in line uh, interested in them uh, before uh, just just working with a protected species. It's, you know, you got to got to be. Well, you know, you have Louisiana pine snakes. So if you if you you have a whole bunch of clutches, uh, you know, shipping them out, you got your uh, your interstate commerce license, which which I've actually uh, I, I have my interstate commerce license for uh, black pine snakes just because I know that I have them and I want to make sure that if I ever do breed them, uh, I'm set up and ready to go. But, but it also means that, you know, somebody else has to do it, uh, which it's like a 14 page document. It's pretty simple, but it takes, takes a few months. Yeah. I mean, especially on those, uh, 
I know at least on the Louisiana Pines, four years is pretty much non-negotiable. I was wondering if it was that way for all the others, and it seems like it. But... From from what I know, again, I wish I wish you know maybe maybe we'll we'll reconnoiter in about three or four years, and I'll, and I'll have a little bit more experience with the actual breeding on them. Uh, I, I know my San Diego's. My San Diego's were probably ready to go last year. I, I gave them another year, uh, similar to some of the corn snakes. I just I, I not. If you go into this only worried about when you're going to pair them up, when you're going to breed them, when you're going to get babies, uh, you're not you're not going to you're not going to have success. You're not going to have success success financially. You're not going to have success emotionally. You're, you're going to find yourself uh, distraught in the situation. You 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 will you will find you will find the hobby lackluster at that point. Uh, you, it'll, it will become a job, and I think I think people need to kind of recognize that uh, that that if it, if your only only plans are to breed and sell these animals, uh, maybe 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 it's not the best hobby. You can fix cars, sell race cars and stuff. I did that for a while; it's pretty cool. But uh, you know, made a lot more money doing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could pretty much buy anything else. Uh, think about any type of retail store. Something that you don't have to feed and clean and yeah. doesn't have the potential of dying. I mean, that's that's the thing, man. Yeah, and it's uh, and not only that, but these are non-essential items in which people don't need to buy. It's a nice to buy, so yeah, you get hit in times like this of say the coronavirus, and <laughs> you need to be willing to hold on to some animals if you have yeah. to over the summer. Or who knows how long? That's, you know, I, obviously I, I'm not a, a epidemiologist or whatever, whatever the correct term for that is, but I, I, I don't have any, well, that's not true. I shipped out some gargoyles last week, but you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's who of me to, to, to think about the future as far as, you know, if, if I had produced a lot of clutches this year, I, I don't have a show to go to in August or, or June or July. I don't have plans set up for, for December. Now I'm looking at next year while, while now I've got a house 50, 60 animals, and we don't really know exactly what's going to happen. At least I don't. Uh, I definitely don't. You know, the, the hope is that people are still going to be spending a little money uh, stimulating the hobby. Uh, you know, I, I find comfort in this. You know, if, maybe if I'm having a bad day, my kid, you know, maybe maybe she's asleep. Maybe my wife is, is watching a, a TV program, and, and 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 I'm like, well, what, you know, I don't have anything to do. Maybe, maybe I'll come in here and I'll start, you know, away away some snakes. That'll be like my excuse. Oh man, I got to go. Gotta go away those you know, <laughs> Baja rat snakes. I don't know. You know, it's 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 a it's a getaway for me. Uh, you know, mentally, uh, and, and it stimulates my brain. And as far as you know, I'm not I'm not a, like I'm not gonna, like hold all my animals and pet them. And, and you know, this one's name is is uh, Bob. Uh, so so that uh my my stim stimulation through the, through the hobby maybe maybe uh, you know taking notes or or, or weighing animals or, or something something like that. Taking pictures. Uh, I suck at taking pictures. I have like all these animals and I, and I post like three pictures a year on, on Instagram. I'm trying to, trying to get my soul. I don't really I suck at social media, but I'm trying to like get that built up and like show people. So show people a few of the species I'm working with. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there, but it's not for them. It's for me really in the end. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think I that, uh, especially the, the times that I've gotten down on it, you got to <laughs> go in there and you got to like work with your animals. It's mostly because I'm, I'm like, uh, too far apart from from doing the dirty work and doing you know and actually getting in there and actually playing with the animals sometimes sometimes i got to take them out just to look at yeah. them and, 
appreciate man you, fresh shed on something that you just one of your favorite species to work with and maybe you hadn't been paying a lot of attention to it uh get it out and you just 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 appreciate that animal and take some pictures of it what you know whether it's for social media or not it's just you know I, i've got some some corns that i've been raising uh you know a few different morphs and genetics that i'm working with God, sometimes you open up that 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 tub or that enclosure or whatever it's going to be, and you see, and you're just oh, you know, a few sheds, and it just it just re reignites, it just completely reignites uh, your, your passion in it. And then, that can be with two snakes, that can be with uh, you know, however you know many I have, and and so you you it, it, that that passion, that 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 uh, that stimulus that that can come from so many different avenues in it, uh, but. I feel like if you're one set goal, I mean, how many people over the years have we seen burnout? You know, how many people have I seen post and selling full collections and stuff like that? Cause they just know that it's not, they got in it to make a bunch of money and it's not the way that I, I was really, really, I've, I've been very lucky over the last few years selling some of these animals. Some of these gargoyle geckos have gotten up really high in popularity. Uh, and, 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 and as I've built a little bit of a reputation, been very lucky selling them, uh, not everybody has that same luck. And some people, you'll end up selling their whole collection. Just, and then that's sad to see because something, something sparked that want, something sparked that love uh, kind of from the get go. And what was that? You know? Yeah. And I think that uh, you brought up a good point before is that once you get a species also, you don't have to keep it forever. I mean, it's yeah. also nice to know uh, what makes you happy and what not. So you don't have a, collection full of snakes that you're just looking to make money off of but you're looking at animals that you enjoy to keep if you base your opinions in a collection off of everything you've read on the internet what you've what you've done is is you you've bought a car without test driving it uh you 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 cannot uh assume something is right for you without experiencing it um now there's there's probably some things that are not right for everybody please don't go buy black mambas right like <laughs> like don't be like well you know what I've always wanted a baboon viper and they're real pretty. So uh, <laughs> uh, there, there's, there, there is, there's probably a set of rules and regulations that everybody needs to attend to in their own, their own uh, selves. Uh, but you, you won't know my, my, like my current confliction is, is scaleless corn snakes and scaleless Texas rat snakes. I think they're beautiful. They freak me out. <laughs> and, and I don't know, I, I don't know whether I like them or not. I haven't, I can't decide on that. Uh, and, and, and that's not for anybody else to decide for me, uh, that that's for me to decide. And, and, and everybody needs to manage and maintain whether it's a single animal or it's a collection, uh, with, with that thought in it, approve of suggestions and approve of ideas, uh, especially, you know, you get into this about how you keep your animals or how you take care of your animals. Uh, as long as you are meeting that animal's necessities and parameters so that it will thrive, uh, to what we would like to think of as maximum life, uh, what, who am I to say how you should keep an animal? It's not, that's not, would you like my suggestion? Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to give it to you, but it is not my, it is not my dictation to you on how, or, or not you, but you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. a, a person, uh, is, that is not my voice to carry across unless you, unless you're, you're, you're inflicting ill will on animal, you're just completely keeping it to where it won't drive. Uh, that's and that's something I think people really need to kind of conceptualize in, the, in their their collections and in the hobby. Yeah, I think uh, I think everyone goes through that phase where it's like you're uh, 
you think it's your your battle to win or your fight to fight as far as uh, when you see someone doing something that and maybe it's something that you don't fully understand or your mentors didn't do it that way so i think we're seeing transitions all different ways whether it's people you know getting out of tubs or people certain species need to be in a tub and all this other stuff and there's listen i mean no one that i admired growing up in this ever kept in anything but like a sterlite tub yeah I mean, that's just that's just the truth of it so yeah. it's like it's yeah we got to be open to, to both things though i think absolutely uh you know with some of my rat snake species uh i i've gone to i have display enclosures for some of them. my chinese beauties uh are excelling absolutely excelling in display enclosures uh my Kunishir Island rat back here, uh, shout out uh, Evergreen State. He was on your uh, podcast. It's actually why I ended up, uh, he, he talked about the Kunishir Island rats. I was like, man, I kind of want one of those. Dude, that thing's awesome. It's great. It's, 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 you know, ambient room temperature, 76, 78 degrees, doesn't have heat on it. The thing has been, you know, I just moved it over to this size enclosure. I had it in what I, I'm calling my bioactive tubs, which is just a bio, bioactive substrate with some leaves, you know, isopods, uh, springtails. My, a lot of my rat snake species are in tubs like that. Uh, and I'm co-having a lot of my rat snake species. Um, you know, that's one of those big things. A lot of people like, don't co-have your snakes. Uh, you know, a lot of these, some of the people that I look up to the most that are breeding a lot of the species that I have do co-have their animals. Uh, the people that I got them from were co-having them. Uh, so, so, you know, some of my yellow rats or gray rats or, uh, you know, this bioactive tub idea I did in the sense of it, it's a maintenance thing. Now I don't have to go pick up every little poop. You know, that, I, I think I, I almost kind of start talking about it with the pitchy office. I tried it with the pitchy office. And when you're shoveling out half the enclosure <laughs> because a bull snake, uh, you know, took a rowdy, rowdy pooper, you, you really got to, you, 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 you got to kind of contemplate and, and think about it. There's, there's a little bit of financial, uh, you know, Aspen's a lot cheaper than bioactive bedding. Uh, springtails are getting scooped out of that. And so with rat snake, uh, especially smaller rat snakes, and then even when they do get bigger, uh, if you have an ample amount of substrate, uh, ample amount of room, uh, correct parameters, you want a lot more ventilation, I would say, with a lot of these species because your humidity, humidity is going to go up inherently uh, depending on what substrate you're using. Uh, work on getting that ventilation right. I think ventilation is extremely important with a lot of, a lot of species. Um, and so so you, you can, you can do these neat little bioactive, uh, and you can be in a tub too. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a display enclosure. Now, now are some of these animals planned to be in display enclosures? Yeah, I think some of them are gonna do great. Uh, some of them do really, really good in that. Uh, and, and I'd like to be able to showcase them in neat little individualized uh, bio terrera uh, and, and whether they breathe in that, in that setup or not. So, so be it, not, not, not exceptionally worried about that. Uh, it's for me to enjoy. Uh, but yeah, so, so, so I found, I found that the bioactive tub idea actually kind of works really well uh, with these, with these uh, species that don't, you know, poop half the tub. <laughs> so. Yeah, I may, I may have to try that. I have, I have a couple of bioactive enclosures now with the Slowinski. <laughs> Uh, the male and female Slowinski's corn snakes, and then I have uh, an emery rat snake in the bioactive. And 
it's kind of stupid because I actually put the most closely related of the two species that I have in my collection and put them in the same thing. I probably should have done like <laughs> something completely different to try yeah. it out. But uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at with that. But I mean, so far, so good. And yeah, uh, go ahead. Sorry. It's really cool. I can like one of the one of the Slowinskis I don't see almost ever, and then another one is always out. So I don't even know if it matters, you know, the species and stuff like I, that. I don't. I don't think it. I almost want to say I don't think it does. It, it's it's each animal is its separate own kind of uh, attitude. Uh, and like I said, without anthropomorphizing them too much, they all do have their own little idiosyncrasies. They have their own little things. Uh, I found my, like my Swiss guy are very, uh, very timid compared to like my Texas rats, man, Texas rats, you open up their tubs or whatever. They're, they're out They're They're hanging out. They're doing their thing. Uh, my, my yellow rats, gray rats, uh, any of the species in that on, on it seems more West you go, uh, are, are pretty bulletproof man they, they just like don't care i think i could kind of do whatever i wanted with them and, and they'd be all right uh you know fox snakes kind of my, my fox snakes kind of fall on that same parameter as well uh they're, they're kind of just i don't think you could do anything wrong with a lot of these rat snakes they're 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 most of them are pretty chill most of them are pretty uh neat great feeders i mean you know no problems with with any of those parameters and Kind of, kind of, kind of fun, low maintenance, neat little things to to have. Yeah, I mean, not matching all the musky smells and stuff like that. But <laughs> when, when you when you got like all the pitchovas, a little rat that's snake, true, that ain't gonna hurt you, man. You'd be all right. Uh, so, you know, the, the fox fox snakes do kind of have like their own stink. Minor, minor, to the point where they're not musking or anything. They did musk a little bit when they're babies. Uh, but they're they've got they've got like a smell, and I know that's what they were named after. Uh, that whole they're, they're, they smell like like musk, uh, fox musk. There's there's something there's something different, <laughs> you know. Full of stinky shits. Uh, theirs theirs is a little different. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just an interesting snake to begin with. I mean it's like a yeah. pituofis jammed into a rat snake. It is. Like, it makes uh, no it, sense. It, it's it's. It's such a. I'm, I'm looking at mine right now. It's sticking its little nose up to the top. Uh, there's, there's, there. You'll, you'll find commonalities between all of these North American colubrids, and, and it's really neat. I, I would, I would go as far as saying, uh, like, like, a, like your, your Pitchofis depi, uh, your, your North Mexican pines, probably, on, on an inherent just first meeting level, have more in common with like a, like a fox snake. Or, or some of these rat snake species, or even if you get down to the Bogertrophus species, if you look at scalation and actually like texture, how they feel, how they act, how they react to things, a hell of a lot more than a bull snake who's got like spikes on it for scales, you know, they're like sandpaper, they're, they're, they're the keeled scales. Uh, you know, every every one of these little, each one is is, is so different. It's, it's sometimes it kind of amazes me that they're even in the same species. I, I feel like the vertebralis uh, are, are, are almost like a smooth snake. They don't even almost don't even have killed scales. So it's kind of, it's kind of everyone's man. That's the neatest thing about all this is we get to, we, you know, if, if you, if you delineate yourself from the idea of only wanting to breed and produce and make money and, and you know that and once you get to have a collection uh, that though you may produce and you may make money off of all of this, 
uh, you really get to you really get to find out all the little, little neat things, and then those again those commonalities that link all these these, these species together, and it really it really it, it really creates a, a neatness to the hobby. Yeah, what is it about you and wanting to complete the puzzles of whole genuses or different areas and stuff like that? What do you think that is? So it's probably the same reason why I've owned ten Miatas. It's probably the same reason why I have almost every episode or every issue of Swamp Thing. Uh, it is probably I, I have I have a very bad collection mentality. Uh, that, that that's it has actually derived me away from species. Uh, like I'm so scared to get back into. Alternative are one of my favorite things. I, I, my old favorite thing to do was buy the alternative that people didn't want anymore because they weren't eating, and and get them feeding. So using all the little tricks. In uh, my fear. Uh, was that once I got into alternative, well, then now I've got to have every locality. I've got to have every morph. And, and, and I, I, man, like with bull snakes, I, I wanted every locality I could get my hands on for bull snakes. I wanted every morph I could get my hands on. So now, now I've got all of these different parameters to complete. And it feels it, the, the collection, it, it feels, it, it completes, it completes me. <laughs> it's not <laughs> loud. Uh, you know, at one point I wanted to breed every new Caledonian gecko. Uh, at one point, I wanted to breed every species of coleonics, and, and in fact, the uh, the only species of coleonics in captivity that I didn't really get to work with was uh, the elegans, which is the Yucatan Peninsula uh, um, band of gecko, and, and and it was literally almost just because I couldn't find it, uh, other than one breeder, I didn't know anybody else working with it, uh, and most of the coleonics you're gonna find. This is kind of well, heads up to anybody, coleonics are one of the most amazing species to work with. Most of the ones you're gonna find are gonna be. Uh, wild caught so so prepare to have an animal for just uh honestly a couple of years uh, you're not you're not going to really be able to hold on to it for more than five seven years um but yeah there's 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 some level of collection mentality with with the pantherophis uh i'm almost completing that and then getting getting into all the north american rats things i feel like if i have i want i want to know the difference between this one and that one. i want to know the difference between the next one and the next one and the next one and, uh, well how specific are you getting because if you want to get real specific, like you can get like the, the thorn scrub emery rats or like the Deckert's rat snakes. And there's like little things that used to be separate that aren't so, anymore, yeah. but are still a little bit different. So you go in like Pantherophis emery and then you got Melamorum. And uh, so at first I was like, all right, so what I want to try to do is get like uh, common taxonomy. So my, my general consensus uh, on, on taxonomy is you don't you you don't get to refute science without better science, right? You don't get to tell me that that science is wrong unless you can prove it to be better science. Well, I believe that me and the snake community have done better science. <laughs> and so with Pantherophis, uh, so you know you have, uh, and I'm I'm probably not going to remember exactly all of the the specific scientific names. So originally I was like, all right, I want Alligahensis, I want Spilotes, I, I want you know my Texas rats. Leading I'm sorry, I don't remember. Uh, uh, Emery, uh, Emery, Emery. Uh, but then I started started really appreciating what work had been done in the past, and especially like people like Chris Montrose, uh, Dark Horse Horticulture. Uh, I've got a handful of animals from the Deuce We are a great guy, uh, extremely knowledgeable, working with a lot of a lot of very specific localities of, of rat snakes. So now moving further down that rabbit hole, I feel like it wouldn't be fair 
unless, you know, how am I going to say a black rat and a yellow rat and an Everglades rat and all these animals are the same thing? Cause they're not. <laughs> <laughs> and so now, so now, and, and, and there's been a little bit of uh, less, again, this, this is one of my own little, little mental uh, strains, uh, a little less uh, pressure on me to try to get every single one, though I do know that over time uh, I do have the room uh, and, and I do have, I, I do want to eventually experience all the different, different, different ones. Um, I think right now, as far as uh, North American rat snakes go, uh, I have both Bogotrophus, uh, and, and I have two localities of Rosalie, which is the uh, Baja rat, sorry, and then uh, one locality of Transpecos rats, and then uh, obviously Western green rat snakes are an animal that not a lot of people work with. There's reasons for that. Uh, that they, they have, they have a lot of. I did a lot. <laughs> Did a lot of research on them, kind of find out why they weren't very popular in a hobby. Uh, and, and there's some good reasons. They're, they are they are a more sensitive animal. Uh, the, the the Baja rats kind of follow along that in some some avenues. Uh, I think I think one of the things about the Baja rats, a lot of people was, were, were having wild caught ones, and they just don't do well. Um, kind of like back in the day with Asian colubrids. Remember, nobody wanted mandarin rats. Nobody wanted cocci. Nobody wanted any of the. Uh, um, any of the beauty snakes remember these just these were animals that could not be established these were animals that couldn't do well but now we're finding out actually these are some of the easiest ones to take care of mm. uh you know i i'd love to or uh, what is it uh oreo cryptophis that that whole uh genus I, i'd love to love to kind of mess with some of those but that's a whole nother and a whole nother thing to mess with uh but anyways the baja rats i, I think if you get a get good solid captive bred animals uh, from somebody that's done their dual diligence, dual due diligence to establish them, uh, you, you you manage a couple small parameters on them. They're, they're pretty bulletproof. Uh, mine mine are mine are every time eaters uh, shed perfect. You do want them dry. You do want them a little cooler. Uh, you know I, I can't I can't speak with too much confidence in years of 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 uh, of work with them. But over the time that I have had them, uh, they they really are. And, and man the uh, a little bit of a tangent. The 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 Bogertrophus uh, genus, the 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 Sabacularis and the Rosalie, uh people people really need to spend a little bit more time with those animals. They really Transpecos rat snakes for those. Yeah. Who don't. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So Transpecos rat snakes and Baja rat snakes are very different. They they do things a little differently. They're a little more intelligent. Uh, they you can see it. They they learn things a little bit. It's, it's, it's without. Without considering these animals too intelligent, you know, you know the the ideology that the Drymarchon genus is like this crazy intelligent species. To some extent, maybe they are in comparison to these other animals. Um, but working with these, they they really do they really do things a little bit different compared to like a lot of your Pantherophis. Uh, so are they a bit more visual and a bit more active? Yes, uh, I w actually would say they're less active. Uh, you, you find your panther, you know, your, your rats are always kind of squirming around, kind of rubbing all over the place, climbing up, uh, the, the transpecos, the Bajas, I feel are a little less active, but they're definitely more visual when you open a tub or, or maybe, you know, I, I don't know necessarily how those would do in, in display enclosures. I, I, you know, those I'm kind of trying to stick to the guns of what other people did. Uh, they snap to it. When you've got food, they know it. When you don't have food, that's kind of one of the neatest things that I've noticed about them is when you don't have food, you don't have maybe tongs or whatever you're feeding them off of, it almost, it's almost like they know. Uh, 
Whereas like maybe my yellow rats, or my gray rats, or some of those guys, if I go in, they just think I have food. You know, that, that's what I'm there for. Uh, even some of my uh, uh, closer to, to wild caught, uh, not not necessarily wild caught, but my 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 lesser uh, domesticated corn snakes. Some of them are like that. They they just they just automatically assume it. You got food. That's why you open that tub. Um, you know, the the, the transpecos will kind of peek out and kind of know what's going on and they'll, they'll see you and not, they're not coming out to get pet or anything. They're not, they're not that, they're not, they're not like that. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that uh, attitude in a snake. Um, but, but you know, your, your Baja rats are kind of similar in, in the sense that they kind of just one little click extra. It's, 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 it's kind of, it's kind of neat. It's kind of neat. Yeah. And I, I, I was always impressed even by just a corn snake, the, some individuals, I can I can have a mouse and I could have my regular hand and able to differentiate. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Now yeah. other ones not so much, but you know, a lot of people discredit. I think your 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 pitchy office. A lot of people, oh man, they have this huge feeding response. They just freak out whenever you got food. And I'm like, man, I can open up my snakes on feeding day. Have rats right next to me. And they won't touch my hand, but they know that if I have tongs, I got food. Or, or you know, some of my feet on plates. I don't know. That's a little pro tip right there. If anybody has a bunch of snakes, get yourself these little Dixie uh, paper plates. You cut them in half, cut them in triangles for smaller species. Uh, but you don't have to tease feed everything. You can kind of just stick it in there and let it do its thing. Works. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a drop and run with the pitchuophits. <laughs> I, have, I have one that will come out on tongs and he'll like... <laughs> You know, he'll just grab it and then retreat back real quick. But the the other two get either too riled up or too weird. So I just uh, pop it on top of the hide and slam it closed. See you later. It, it, it's a thing, uh, you know, beauty snakes, or at least in my experience. Again, I'm relating everything I have only to my own personal experiences. My beauty snakes, if you tried to tease feed them or something, they would lose it. They absolutely <laughs> just lose it. They try and murder you. Uh, but if you just leave it in there, they'll, 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 or especially if you have like a little spot where you normally feed them, they kind of just associate with that, with that. Uh, but yeah, pitchy office do that really cool snap pullback thing, uh, which, you know, you got to assimilate with pulling it down a hole and pinning it, you know, which is kind of neat. Certain species don't necessarily do that. Uh, so, some of them, some of them actually wrap and constrict, uh, some of them don't. Some of them just kind of eat it. My bull snakes, uh, I don't know if they're just late. Well, they're definitely not lazy, uh, but they, they just gobble down whatever you give them and they're ready for another rat or whatever. Uh, they, don't really, they don't really care. They're just, they're, they're, they're eating machines, man. Bull snakes are. Yeah, so do you get up, you get up to like medium rats or uh, on adults? So where I'm at on my adult bulls is, is small rats is kind of where I want to stop. But that doesn't mean they're not going to get two small rats. Um, I, I, I've seen a pitchyophis poop out an ear, so I know that they're 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 uh, digesting these animals so quick. You know, I, it blows my mind. You feed these things. If I fed these things today, they'd be pooping tomorrow or the next day. It's 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 so their metabolism is so fast that I I'm I am a big fan, and I even do this with all my my rat snakes, corn snakes, everything. I'm a big fan of smaller meals. Uh, just maybe, maybe, maybe two uh, food items. Maybe, maybe you're working on on a female. Uh, um, if I if I if I wanted to 
get a, get a female that just came out of brumation or something out to side, you know, get start getting some weight on her. Uh, maybe, maybe three food items. Maybe you give them three mice instead of, instead of a rat, you know, uh, there, there's, there's, there's thought to the, uh, the diets on these animals. I've done chickens dude. Oh man. They love chicks. Uh, almost every picture of us I have will eat chicks. Um, really? Quail. Uh, I haven't tried fish yet. Mostly because I do have a family and I do love them. And I heard their poo poo smells something special when you do fish. Uh, I smells pretty bad to begin <laughs> with. So it can yeah. only get worse, I guess. Yeah. Or- I'm very glad that I really enjoy working with these animals because I clean a lot of snake poop, man. It's the pitch of especially, you know, and I know some of these people, you know, I've got, you know, I have a handful of these animals in comparison to some of these people that have just hundreds, hundreds of them. I can't imagine. I can't have, cannot have a snake with a poop in its enclosure for a day. It would freak me out. I got to clean it. Everything has to be clean. Everything has to be spotless. I wear gloves. I mean, this is part of my own OCD, which kind of, uh, assimilates through other things. Maybe this collection mentality, all these mentalities ha- have, uh, have thoughts with that. Um, but yeah, so, so, so varying food items is great. I, I do want to try the fish, uh, but I, I just haven't, haven't yet. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of the, anyways, multiple smaller food items above one larger. Uh, I mean, I'm sure, man, I, I think my, I think my bull snake take bigger than a medium rat. I don't know. I, I, don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to push it. I, I don't think it would be, indicative for me to for me to do anything like that so are you as far as when you're taking the females out of rumation are you hitting them a lot more with food than you than you typically would yeah absolutely so so if my brumation is going to last somewhere in, in that 10 to 12 week range, week range maybe we maybe we would possibly be able to do like an eight to ten week range um i i i overanalyze this i've talked to some some good friends and people that, that have been doing this for a long time. And, and I, I'm one of those people that also steps up temperatures, um, which I know, I know to some extent you don't really have to do. Um, to me, it, it's, it's, it, it, it assimilates. We're, we're not doing anything like nature. I'm putting these guys down in like early October. Cause I can, cause you know, like I said, it's a wine fridge. It's, it's, you know, these things don't go to Napa Valley and get thrown in with some, some, uh, Cabernet or whatever, uh, and and so or reasoning. I'm sorry, it wasn't a white wine. Anybody out there listening? Um, you know, I don't know what comes from where, but yeah, but so so you know, I I'm cooling them before I cool them. I'm I'm you know making sure they're completely void of of any food, any meals, especially with the pitchiopus. Uh, you know, they'll just they just keep going. It's almost like they like you think they're done pooping. And then they keep pooping some more. And I'm sure you, you've, you've seen that uh, in, in, in similarity with your, your Louisiana pines. Um, then, I'll, then I'll pull them down to like room temperature or, you know, put them in. I have, I have a closet that gets, it's kind of cool. I got a closet that gets really hot during the summer or really cool during the winter uh, or when temperatures drop at all uh, or even day cycles. Um, so I'll bring them down to that 60, 68 range, 70, 72 degrees, somewhere around there uh, before I start cooling them. Start cooling them, bring them back up uh, or, 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 you know, as they start warming up, I won't offer them food meal. Or sorry, the food meals. I won't offer them any meals until they're they're actually back on heat. Uh, and then it'll be small meals every three days, every four days. Uh, you you're not you're not hurting you're not hurting a six foot snake by giving it a small mouse. It's what it would have eaten in a while. You know, take your take your time. Don't risk anything. Uh, you know, you don't want any stress added on these animals, any, any, 
you know, their, their, their intestines are completely empty. Again, I'm not a scientist. I don't know exactly what's going on, but you don't want to, uh, don't want to just overload them, shock their system. Uh, you know, maybe I, one thing I did as I was warming mine back up, once they got back on heat is I was changing the water a lot more, you know, I, you know, they, they start drinking a lot more, uh, start giving them more fresh water, fresh water, fresh water. A lot of these animals, we'll see them in a while. Go, you can go and find bull snakes right now. The males are starting to look for females. And you'll see them. They're usually going towards a water source, not necessarily a food source. You'll find them going to those, like, here we have the Oso, Oso Creek, which is a, a small creek, but it's, it's a decent size. You know, it's not a river, but uh, it does flow through our, our Nueces Bay. And uh, you'll, you'll find them heading towards that creek. The creek kind of goes up through and even heads over towards the western part, kind of San Antonio area. Uh, try to try to try to match that. Give them give them fresh water. I uh, start giving them small meals, and then you know I I, I did pair up some of my pitchiopus before uh, seeing a post formation shed. Um, corn snakes. That's pretty uh, a catalog thing. Uh, I kind of know you know corn snakes work. Corn snakes work has been written in so many wonderful books. Uh, you wait for that post formation shed. Start pairing them up uh, with with the pitchiopus. Uh, I felt like they took a lot longer to hit that post brumation shed, but also I didn't see any action with mine. Uh, so just recently, all of mine shed uh, in the last two or three weeks, about three weeks ago. And so I've been pairing them up and it, it looks like the San Diego's might, might do the thing. The bull snakes might not. All of these things that I'm talking about, I did not do with the bull snakes. I hadn't planned on breeding them this year. Uh, and I'm, and I'm fine. I, you know, if they don't, if they don't go that that's, you know, it, it's, it's okay. How have you found uh, pairing to be as far as uh, the gophers go? Um, has it been pretty straightforward like it would with corn snakes? Do they go right for it or do you keep them together? My corn snakes were real about it. You know, they, they went straight to it, hammered right into it. You know, my, my, my Eastern Kings, you know, it was two boys, but man, they were trying their hardest. <laughs> the gophers did nothing. They absolutely ignored each other. Uh, and then, and then the male shed right off the bat. Uh, and, 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 you know, I didn't pair them as often as maybe you might with corn snakes every, you know, once a week, or I, I was like, ah, I'll put them in for two days. I, you know, these snakes are pretty, uh, pretty tame and pull them out, put them back in, you know, after feeding. Uh, but now that the female, she shed, I guess she shed about two weeks ago. Um, he is really excited about it. She is not. So and 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 I've had her uh, actually. I've had her probably the longest out of out of any of them. Uh, she's a little over four years old, and the male's a little over three. Um, so those are my my daughter's favorites too. That snow cone and sunshine. <laughs> but so. that's I mean that's not a that's not a bad sign as far as uh, you know if she's not producing any pheromones, the male it yeah. seems won't won't mess with her at all. So it's like she must be doing something. And sometimes I see that like. Sometimes they warm up over the weeks, like you'll get, they're not going near each other. And then you put them together four days later, and then he's kind of interested, but she's not. And then give yeah. it another week. And then all of a sudden, you know, she's more, she'll basically let him have his way at the, uh, yeah. At the end. And that's so kind of like a, a scale. And, and it's, I, I also feel, and, and, and a lot of these are, are new breeders. Um, I've got a I've got a little female going into into shed right now a prelay a little annery, head you know head for everything corn snake and and, uh, and she she paired up with that same JMG male, and she just went later and I didn't I didn't even try pairing her up until after that first shed, um, and she's a, she's smaller she was just over three hundred grams 
her, her prelay, if she goes uh, here soon, it'll, it'll be about a 350, 50 gram uh, prelay shed. Um, she's still aggressively eating those, so I'm not really overly worried about it. Um, but you know, they, they, don't, they don't all go at the same time. And, and, that, and that's, that's another kind of warning to a lot of people out there. Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> uh, you, you get too far ahead of yourself and, and some people might want everything to happen quickly. And, and you know, I want it all oh, this, this breeding is gonna happen right now. It's not, take your time. Uh, you know, sometimes females don't go till two or three sheds. Uh, so, sometimes, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Sometimes the males aren't ready. Sometimes the females aren't ready. Uh, take your best care of them. Let's go on to the next season and, and see what happens. Uh, you know, don't ever be afraid to not pair something up. Don't, you know, give it an extra year. You know, what's the, what's the harm in that? Like I said, I, I, I held a snake in my hands that I've had for a long time that I, I cared about and it died in my hands. I mean, right. You know, what, what do you, who else's fault is that other than mine? Because I decided to breed, it. you know, it was perfectly healthy animal. So we, we got to kind of keep that in mind as, as, as we're going into this, it's, it's a full, it's a full, uh, full adventure, you know, you gotta, you gotta have ups and downs. Yeah. I mean, even in order to get the prospect, I guess, of new life, you have to be willing to risk, you know, the life yeah. of the mother in a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or if you're talking about King snakes, the life of any of the involved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're putting them two boys together. If anything, it <laughs> that is, that is, that is, a, that is a, you know, I've heard of male combat in, in like a Morelia, uh, which 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 is, sounds really cool, but I don't think either one was going to eat the, each other. I think they're just right. Like, it out, man. I you 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 kind of knew about a minute into it. These guys aren't here to tango. They're 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 here for the full on party. They are ready to go. They are going to eat each other. I am going to have one snake left. So the yeah. the the other day I paired king snakes and I was like, oh, he's. He's sniffing her. He's interested. He just bit her tail. Like, <laughs> oh, man. And then I was like, oh, well, this yeah. clearly isn't going to work. Did did they end up pairing up? No, no. He's full. F- I'm not even going to mess with him. He's just a savage. I've been feeding him corn snakes too long, I feel. Oh, what, I don't what, know. <laughs> he's just what, like snake oriented. He what uh, What species? Mexican black king snake. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they kind of, they kind of ride along that same, uh, chain as the, the, the Eastern Kings and, and, and that, that aggressiveness. Uh, I've heard Florida Kings can be pretty aggressive too. You, you, you worked with those before. Yeah. Honestly, more intense than like an MBK because they're just super fast. And when they wrap, they wrap everything completely. So like, if you have a rat, they'll grab it by the head and then wrap yeah. their body around the whole rat and squeeze every inch of that animal to death. So, uh, yeah, so it's fun when they do that to the female, got it, <laughs> which I, I had to do last year. But yeah. that's been my experience with King. I, I have bad timing, I think, because these were all like my first year breeding all of these king species. Um, last year was my first year for Florida. And sure, then yeah. I had them eat each other or try to eat each other. But it's like you want to – I think that's just because I didn't, I didn't have the timing down. Yeah. Um, so now after that post brumation shed, maybe I'll wait those extra couple weeks to make sure they're ready to go. Uh, it doesn't seem like at least my individuals were ready to go right after that shed. But with corn snakes, I'm like, 
try them, you know, because what could go wrong? And some of them yeah. go early and then some of them will still wait, but there's no harm in trying the male with the female in case sure. there is. <laughs> and, and so, so in my, with me, I, I leave a lot of things like overnight. I'm like, all right, man, you guys are going to hang out overnight. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of times I, I, I only saw a couple locks in my corn snakes. And, uh, and so there is a comfort level with that too, though. You know, like it's still nerve wracking. Every time I have stuff paired up, I'm just like, oh, is this going to be it? Like, I, I wish I, I should, I should just pull these guys out. So you see these San Diego gophers, females, like a foot bigger than the male. <laughs> and it's like, oh, are you guys going to, is she going to not do that? And just like, there's only going to be one little gopher snake in there. And I mean, it, it's, it, it, again, it's that it's, you take that risk. You've, you've made that decision. You put that pair together. You, you've taken the responsibility of the actions, whatever those animals are, uh, no matter what, you know? Yeah. And how is your, how is your experience as far as, uh, you know, having geckos, which can be have males being pretty aggressive and even pituophis, I think they, uh, some species will bite the neck too. Right. Kind of like, what would a yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen these super aggressive bull snakes where they, they absolutely just latch onto the back of the neck of the females. And I'm like, maybe, maybe I have two girls because <laughs> mine are just, mine are just cuddled up in the, in the hide box. So I, I so here, here's one thing. Uh, and now I'll, I'll start talking a little bit about the breeding on the geckos. I, I give all of my animals may, maybe like the next size up tub than they need, right? So so maybe a, a San Diego gopher is going to be good. And like, and I, I'm speaking of vision tubs, uh, it'd be fine like a V35. Um, I've got mine at V70s. Uh, maybe maybe a big bull snake is going to be good in a, in a, v, a V70. Uh, I'm going to try and push them into like V180s. Uh, I, I like I like them to be able to move. I like them to have a gradient. I like them to be able to, excuse me, uh, have a hot spot that's hot and a cool spot that's cool, even though that hot spot might not be that hot. So uh, gargoyle geckos are are surprisingly aggressive as far as the breeding goes. The males are more aggressive in the sense of like biting necks and, and, and such. Uh, they are only trying to do one thing. A lot of times the females are trying to either defend territory or, uh, or, or kind of keep the males off of them. The females will tear the males up uh, with the guards uh, or females will fight each other. Uh, I, I've heard stories of torn off legs and limbs and toes. Uh, I've had a few get it. I don't know what it is. They go for the tails. Gargoyle geckos after they drop their tails will actually regrow them. Uh, which is kind of cool. Um, so, so that, that you, you see, you do see aggression in any animal. I highly suggest anybody that's breeding any of these animals. If you start seeing aggression like that, pull them apart, <laughs> you subtract one of the, one of the variables from that equation. Uh, give, give them a week off, G give that male 24 hours off, give that female, you know, put her in, put her in timeout for a week or something. It's not, as long as your parameters are met in your care, you're going to be able to put them back together. They're going to pair. They're going to do their thing. Uh, or they might not. They might not breed. And maybe that's just that, that, that's, that's the end of your success with that species. But that doesn't mean you can't keep that species because if you have them and they're thriving, uh, you, you've, you've already succeeded. You didn't, you didn't have to check the breeding off the list, even though that may be your goal. And that, that's also, you know, also good. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, a lot of a lot of your you know if I would if I would go back to a lot of the terrestrial geckos uh, they're not too aggressive with breeding 
the issue I have found with them, and again, it's a reason to unpair them for a period of time, is they'll overbreed. Uh, I, I had I had a pair of my Trotus give me 12 clutches in one year, and that was with two months off. And that that's just too much. You, you, it, it's almost, you know, they retain sperm. There's nothing you can really do about it, but my first year breeding on the female just constantly was laying eggs, like every 20 days or something. I didn't even, couldn't even believe that it was that much. Uh, I got leeches moving around because the sun went down <laughs> and I'm like, what is that? Uh, but yeah, so, so, so all these little these species, it's, it's do, do, you know, a lot of people like to say that own something for a year or maintain something for a year before you start trying to breed it. I think it's a really good idea. Now you may find yourself wheelhousing with certain colubrids. You know, if I got a corn snake in my collection right now, after it passed through my quarantine parameters, I wouldn't have a problem trying to pair it up or, well, maybe, Maybe it was before brumation, and maybe I wanted to do things my specific way. Or, you know, if I had a bull snake come in, uh, I, I, you know, but I've kept that species. I know what to look for. I know, I know, I know what to know what to deal with. And there's a lot of learning I still have to do with so many different species. And it's, that's part of the fun it is learning each parameter to get each one to click and synchronize and make it work. Uh, and that, that's kind of the, the adventure with the collection. Yeah, absolutely. And there's always, there's always new things to figure out and, little pain in the asses animals yeah. are, uh, they're all different so you always get new yeah. uh, new challenges yeah they, they definitely uh they definitely uh have certain things about them uh you know and, and then there's also the other thing you, you probably if you want to breed animals if you want to breed animals somebody wants to breed things somebody breed, learn how to sex your animals because <laughs> you're gonna end up with two males trying to eat each other and it's not gonna be the most fun one. that's kind of I think that's like the the pro tip because you know you, you like you can pop a baby you need to be able to probe an adult uh you know do do that do that that next level of research and learn how to do it find a mentor find something that's going to be able to help you uh you know we we can all jump into this i can buy a pair of corn snakes on on whatever venue you want to and pair them up and try and try and go that way and and, and how 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 much benefit have I done to the community or or those animals themselves uh without without learning it on my own and I think that there's a lot. Um, I actually got distracted by the chat. I forgot what the hell I was going to say. Oh, yeah. I see the chat going. And I'm just like, man, I cannot read that at all. They're talking about like the rodent, the rodent industry and everything that's going on with the uh, with what's going to happen, I guess, in our economy as reptile keepers and breeders and our industry. What, what's going to happen? Can you tell me? <laughs> I would, I, it's like, it's so hard to gauge whether the things that are going on are going to make animals oh, yeah. extremely cheap or more expensive, easier to get, harder to get. Um, are people not going to want animals at all? Um, it's, it's a possibility. There's show, some of the biggest shows in the world are not going to happen this year. That's it. It's, it's brass tacks of it. Some people only sell their animals at those shows. Uh, we as hobbyists need to prepare for that. And I think we should do a lot of work planning anybody out there that's breeding snakes. And Joe, I know, you know you're, you're probably thinking about this too. What are, do you got to pair up everything this year? Really, really think and analyze and quantify what you're doing. Uh, I, 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 have, I have some of the most beautiful yellow producing gargoyles in the world and i broke them up this 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 whole season they're gonna be broken up. 
and, and I'm, I just, I, I just don't need to, I don't, I, I don't need to produce. And, and I'll probably be pulling males out of a couple of these because I, I don't, I don't think this year is going to be that stellar year of what, you know, I, I've already got, you know, I, I hold back about 20, I'd like to say I hold back about 20 animals uh, a year. And, and through those, I'll probably narrow that down to one or two. Uh, but as those grow, but at the same time, I'll probably produce uh, 60 to 100 gargoyles this year. Uh, if, if I if I stuck with my current breeding breeding trios, uh, or, or this one over here has four. Um, and it should it, be interesting to see how people adjust from doing shows and selling yeah. mostly in person and those people who kind of swear against you know the online presence and stuff like that so it should be interesting to see uh how everyone tries to sell this year and everything that's going on there's some of some of the biggest best breeders out there don't sell online and uh they're gonna have to kind of figure that out um i wish i wish we had a little bit more cohesive venue to do it uh you know there's obviously you know there's a lot of different websites not gonna promote any of them uh Facebook, whatever the heck. At first, it seemed like they didn't want you know what animal sales. Now it seems okay if you don't put you know certain things in a title. I don't know. Uh, I, I you know if as a community if we come to co some some generalized idea, of this is the place we're going to do. Um, that would help people, but it, but it looks like it's really been narrowed down to about three. Uh, so I, I don't know. Me, ninety nine percent of my well. That's not true. Probably 90% of my sales that I've ever done have been online. And I want to talk to people. If anybody ever hits me up, I'm like, just call me. Some of the best friends I've made in, in this hobby uh, have either been selling or buying reptiles. Uh, you know, I've met so many people just through the online capability that we have through social media. Uh, you know, you know it, it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, that is that next generation. There is a, uh, you know, maybe a 10 or 15 year span between 2000. When was the ball Python boom? Let's, let's call it 2003 to 2005. Add 15 years onto that. And, and, you know, look at a couple of years ago, man, everything's gone to online. Whereas back then it was all it shows. It was reptiles magazine. Here's the new morph. Here's the, you know, now, now everybody's got blogs and social media and so that's that's where we're maybe that's where we're gonna have to be selling maybe that's the show now maybe we need to have online shows maybe we need to see more auctions maybe we need to try to do a little bit more benefit for charity or conservation of these animals that's a beautiful thing we can we can all get together as, as a community you don't have to be in person to have your presence shown you you can have that emotion with somebody uh through through a message uh, through some through a, through a venue like this, like I've said, like I said before, what you guys, uh, NPR, uh, the Herpeticulture Podcast, guys, and so many others. There's so many other good podcasts. What this group of people is doing now uh, it is kind of feels like that next generation, though it, it has been going on for many years. Now that that flower is kind of flourishing, you know, these 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 seeds that were set through uh, NPR and like Gecko Nation Radio and and, and uh, snake snake room there, there was an old podcast that was just awesome uh red there was a reptile reptile, uh, no, reptile no, 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 apartment I think there was um and then was, was, reptile radio was a big one reptile radio that's what it was that was, was, that was. yeah and, and, and these these seeds these seeds were planted uh by by some of our our, our the, the the people we look up to some of our mentors 
but now now we're kind of uh, now we're kind of taking that and flourishing and look look how much more knowledge you can put in your brain than you could have 15 20 years ago you know if it, you know little little me running around flipping logs wanting to know about garter snakes i couldn't hop online and read an article i had to go try to find a book or my audubon society's audubon society manual and you know and, and so now now we have this uh, this really neat uh, presence of ourselves but at the same time you need to be cordial and uh promote yourself and, and handles yourself as you would have in person. There's a lot of tough guys out there, a lot of, a lot of cool, cool, cool cats, you know what I mean? Cool cats, <laughs> kittens, if you might. <laughs> that, uh, that, that really, uh, really, really push their, their ideals a, a little too far, maybe a little too hard. And now, now us as this new generation, uh, you know, we're, we're really, really like a third generation for pediculturists, right? Like, you know, you had your, your OG guys back in the, you know, 70s, 80s, really uh, creating what the hobby was. And then you had these guys that kind of carried us through the 90s and maybe early 2000s that your big names in the hobby that, that generated the, the popularity of some of these animals. Well, now now it's in the hands of us. And I won't even say young guys because some some of the people aren't aren't too young. Uh, it, it's, it's, on, it's on our shoulders to carry it forward. And so now we've, we've got to handle ourselves in the, in the proper manner. Yeah. I think it's funny seeing like, uh, it's almost a changing of the guard every once in a while where it's like, yeah. now I feel like it's so media driven. <laughs> Although I guess it was like back when Ralph Davis had blogs and stuff like that, that he was doing, he was like the first to do that. And then reptile radio. And then now it's like, you know, the big guys in the industry have spurred, off of like YouTube channels and stuff like that. It, has, it really doesn't have anything to do with breeding animals, even though a lot of them yeah. are great at breeding animals, but it's mostly about their social media presence. Sure. Yeah. And, and their, uh, whatever, whatever it is of their mentalities or ideals and however they're able to uh, push that on other people. And that's I'll kind of harken back on one of the things I said earlier so important to absorb as much of that as you can from as many different venues as you can. But until you have determined and, and, and experienced for yourself, you, you got to test drive that car. You, you've got to, you got to learn the, er, the inner workings of, of, of how, how it goes. You, you can't, you can't have an experience with something through somebody else. It is not possible. You, you can learn, you can learn parameters, you can learn safety guidelines. We, we can learn where we need to be and within what walls we need to 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 uh, work, right? But you can't you can't actually generate your own ideals to therefore push onto somebody else to experience yourself. I can't tell you how to keep a blue tongue skin. I mean, I may or may not have had one allegedly back in the day, but but I, I can't I can't read an article online or watch a YouTube video and then turn around and tell somebody this is how you need to keep this animal. I can't can't i can't fairly do that uh so that that's that's part of that self-building as a community yeah yeah and i think uh, I, I guess it can be hard to filter out the legitimacy of of someone especially for for the younger kids getting into it but i think at the end of the day it all it all works out the way you learn your lessons and stuff like that and you do more research and you really can't just take it off of one source sure yeah it's 
it's it's up to you to to prove to yourself. And if you just want to be a, a kind of a lemming and follow whatever this one guy says because he has the a million followers on YouTube, and that's that's your prerogative. And I can't tell you that you've done it wrong, but do yourself the favor of expanding that knowledge. You're 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 only gonna you're only gonna excel from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Chris, what do you see as the future of Badlands Herpeticulture? <laughs> what is and that? What is going on? So, I hope to keep and maintain a collection of animals that maybe or may not I get to breed and, and produce and, 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 and flourish into the, the, the economy or the hobby. But more than anything, I'm going to learn about all these animals. I'm learn all the ins and outs. I'm learn all the little idiosyncrasies. I want to. I want to specifically the Pitiophis, the the all of them. Wow, <laughs> uh, the the North American rat snakes. I I I, I want to get as many Baja rat snakes as I can. I want to get as many uh, Western green rat snakes as I can. I want I want to learn about these animals. I want to share that knowledge with other people. I have I have Mexican hognose snakes. Another species that's just not kept enough in a hobby. Uh, they're a little difficult to get started, but once they start going, they're great. I want to. I want to do my due diligence to learn about all these animals and all these different species of geckos, all these different lines and lineages of these animals, and, and share that uh, not only with the community but with anybody interested. And, and, I, and I'd like to, you know, along the lines, make a little money, <laughs> be all right, you know, sell, sell a few of these animals. Uh, you know, I, I plan on working with corn snakes for a long time. Corn snakes were one of my original loves. They will always be one of my loves. Uh, Pitchophis, plan on plan on working with them for a long time. Uh, you know, anybody interested in gargoyles, please please let me know. I, I work with multiple lines of, of great animals. Don't always have lineage information on them. Some you just buy out of a deli cup at a show, and that's that one that just gets you going. Uh, but I think that I think that's you know just the plan is just enjoy the hell out of it, e even if it all shuts down tomorrow. You know the coronavirus takes us all out, and there's no internet. I'll, I'm still going to keep these snakes. I'm still going to be scooping poop on Thursday. It's going to happen. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna feed you know I'm gonna be feeding these animals. God, dude, my leeches are going. I'm not gonna lie, my, my little leeches are going batshit crazy. Dude, uh, can you take Shrek out? Is that his name? Oh yeah, yeah, let me grab Shrek. Hold on. Yeah, take him out. So I have never kept lychees. I have kept crested geckos. It's the closest thing I've uh, ever had to a lychee, but I've always been fascinated about how huge they are and how weird and wrinkly and uh, old man looking they can be. And just, I've seen so many awesome handleable animals, but I've heard also some, some interesting stories about their temperaments as well. Yeah. So, Oh my God, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> It's, it's opposite. So this is Shrek. Uh, he's chirping right now, which is kind of cool. He's a, he's a pretty good sized animal. He's about 300 grams. I got kind of oversized hands. So it doesn't just look as big as he, I, I have like uh, improportionately large hands, but he's, he's about as long as my forearm. God, webcams are hard. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's kind of a sweetheart. Sometimes he's kind of not about it. He's, he's chirping right now. If y'all can hear that. Um, you can see a little bit of, Still, he has a little. Oh, <laughs> he's got. That's about as graceful as they get. You can see a little, uh, a little, uh, a little chunk still healing off of his his jowls right there. Uh, and then right here, he's he's one of his little toes is missing. Uh, right there, missing that little toe. But uh, yeah, no, he's he's cool. Leeches are great. They have this neat little uh, toe on the tip of their tail and they're. <laughs> 
Can they randomly <laughs> jump out of your hand? Yeah, that, that's like the best they got, dude. That's as far as they can go. They're just a little fluke. Uh, they're really neat, though. And, and uh, can you all hear that? Can you hear that chirp? Yeah, that's so weird. That's coming from a gecko. Yeah, like a, this big ass. You know, there's a little tongue. Yeah, this big is ass. Is that gecko. a defense thing, or is it a mating? No, it's definitely not mating, though he does probably hear the female and male over here wrestling around. Uh, he, he, I thought that it was a defense thing for a long time, but I, I've been corrected a few times by other people that they say it's, it's a communication thing, but he doesn't have a mate, uh, and I don't plan on him having another mate for a while. Um, he's kind of just like a dude. Um, but yeah, they're, they're crazy. They're so big. You know, they, they really, in the wild... <laughs> They're so bad at so many things. Uh, you know, they, they, I'm, I'm going to put them up real quick. I'll grab a, I'll grab yeah. a gargoyle out real quick. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if people could could see, but he was basically trying to jump and failing to jump. And when he did jump, he would just splat on the table very uh, very unathletically, if that is a word. But they're they're so good at camouflage. Their camouflage is perfect if you're on cork bark or something. So I, I assume it's not their athleticism that – that allows them to maintain themselves in the wild. And then I believe just like, uh, just like the other geckos, um, lychees will also, they'll eat like fruits that are uh, decaying and stuff, right? Will they eat that just as a crested or gargoyle would? Yeah. Yeah. So my lychees, uh, are completely 110% from babies to adults, uh, only fed, uh, gecko mixes. Um, so, so they only, uh, it's hard to do. Um, so, so my, my lychees only eat, uh, uh, gecko diets. Um, the only other thing I feed them is if I have a gecko that fails to hatch or, or doesn't, uh, make it all the way, uh, I'll feed them baby geckos, um, female gargoyles. Uh, so, so these are, these are adult female gargs. Um, and, uh, they're really kind of, I don't, I literally don't know how webcams work. It's a, it's a mystical science. Uh, in which I have not de derived. Um, uh, this little girl's from uh, South Texas. She's she's part of my bacon line group, and this girl right here is from uh, Rack House, and she's she's gorgeous. Um, so so these guys also are are one hundred percent on uh, crested gecko diet or or you know gecko diets, and uh, they will eat the females of these guys. We'll eat uh, pinkies. I, I feed them frozen thawed pinkies uh, dipped in uh, calcium. Uh, I like to use. Well, I'm not going to promote a brand, but uh, if anybody's interested, PM me. I'll, I'll let you know what I use. <clears throat> but I'll dip the pinkies in uh, calcium after they lay eggs. That uh, kind of helps them uh, catch back up. You know, they lose a little bit of weight. They crash a little bit. They have pretty big eggs. Uh, but man, they, they make they make such good pads. They're so easy to take care of. You know, mine I keep at room temperature hottest they ever see is 80 cola they'll get down in 68 70 degrees during the winter uh they kind of just chill and relax uh they, they have a pretty rowdy bite which is kind of cool um but yeah they, a bunch of different lineages this is one of the things i wanted to kind of show showcase uh is different kinds of reds uh i know i know she isn't she's kind of in the middle of firing down so her, her kind of depth of her uh color isn't being shown it's a really dark red and then you can kind of have an animal like this girl uh, who has a really, really pretty light red. And what's the most desired in the hobby typically? 
Uh, your, your, your big, thick, saturated red stripes. Uh, if, if you ever, you know, if you Google South Texas bacon, you'll kind of see this thing. He's not only red on his back, it's on his sides, on his face. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Uh, you know, you, 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 and it, it's neat because these animals, though, they may not be uh, showing the most red that an animal could show. Uh, they also, they, they can produce, they can produce that. Um, so that, that's kind of kind of neat. I, I think that the most beautiful of all of these animals is going to be these reds. Um, they're, they're just, man, it's so neat to see that. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's an animal. You know what I mean? It's not a morph. <laughs> that's, that, that's a, that's a, it's a gecko dude. Like what? <laughs> and can you tell from babies? I mean, what's going to be the most red? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, they, they do go through a bit of an onogenic change. And I, I can grab a baby real quick, show you kind of kind of some of the different colorations. Uh, you can tell kind of right off the bat if you have raised them. It's kind of hard sometimes you got to like convince people that they're going to be really pretty because uh, they do go through quite a bit of a change. These these reds, especially the reds on the outside here, they uh, they uh, will, will start out very yellow and orange. This one's going to jump. You're going to jump? <laughs> They're, they're, they're so, they suck so bad at jumping. Uh, here, let me, let me grab a little bit smaller one. Yeah. I, I love how all those, uh, the new Caledonian geckos, the crusty geckos, the gargs and the, the lychees and different geckos like that. I just lumped those all together, but they just randomly jump and randomly do things. I think, uh, I love holding them because they feel so unique. But then again, like it's always weird when they just randomly jump. So you see, this guy's got a lot more orange. Oh, damn. That is like, at least on camera, it's showing up super vivid. Yeah, he's he's real orange. That orange will eventually be that deep red color. Ah, so, so they go through like this really interesting, like teenage phase. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's take that one step further. Oh, he's jumping. I got him. Oh, he jumped. I got him. <laughs> and that's something that I see even in like corn snakes. When you when you hit about one year to two years, you can get some really nice looking animals and some things that look uh, look a little bit different than say what it looked like as a baby. As far as it will get a lot brighter and look a lot nicer. That's kind of the fun thing about having uh, having animals that do onogenic color changes. So I'm sorry, I cannot hear you if you were talking when I no, I'm just I'm just filling the space in between you getting animals, so it's not permanent. Oh, all good. right, one more, one more. Sorry, I'm just I'm just talking while you uh, while you play around and find some geckos. But yeah, I've I've always found these guys super fascinating, and I think it's super cool that uh, so many people now are are reproducing them and working with all different types of cool colors and morphs and are there any like true morphs in in gargoyle yeah gargoyle geckos yes so you you have the reticulated and the stripe and and i'm not entirely sure how the generations of reticulated to stripe work uh, i do know that it takes reticulateds reticulateds are like it's kind of like they ride you know how there's different phases uh but you can have like a milk snake phase and a buckskin phase in a, in a similar clutch, mm -hmm. uh, you can have reticulateds and stripes in the same clutch of two eggs. Um, but those two are different. And then you can have phantom eye. And, I, and phantom eye is not a recessive. It's like a kind of like a co-dominant 
a phantom eye to a normal eye will produce phantom eyes 25% of the time, but it takes like two years to be able to see them. So this little guy, see how yellow he is? Yeah. That is a newborn bacon line. So, so do you see that getting more yellow or getting more red? That will get completely red. Uh, there'll be no yellow left. So all the yellow on its tail, all the yellow on its sides, all the yellow on its head, even the yellow here on the side, on this little guy and on his cheek, all that's going to be, all that's going to be red. Whoa, he has a weird little spot, orange spot on his cheek. Yellow <laughs> yeah, orange spot. That, that'll be completely red. That's cool. Yeah. And so what do the, what do the yellow line animals look like in comparison to that? So a yellow animal as a baby. So yellow is a weird thing with gargoyles. If a baby gargoyle shows a lot of yellow, there's a really good chance they have a, they have a higher propensity to end up red. Uh, a lot of young yellows end up red. Now, if you have an animal that doesn't have a lot of color on it or maybe has some white stripes, they may end up with yellow stripes. The colors have to mature. Uh, your initial spinal colors usually stay the same. Like, see how they have like the red on his back, but then it has the yellow. That yellow is gonna turn red. But yellow, yellow animals essentially, there's a big controversy going on in like the gargoyle gecko world about yellow animals. Yellow animals essentially need to come from yellow parents. You need to, you need to be able to show me that they had yellow parents. Uh, it's just, there, there, there's not a lot of true yellows in adult gargoyles. So basically, you know what you're looking at. I would not be able to tell. It, 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 t- <laughs> it takes a little bit of time. Uh, you know, you, you could, and man, the polygenics on these animals is so crazy. You, you can have something that's totally normal and then you have a, you have a, have a clutch mate that's just bombastic, absolutely just crazy, blown out of the water colors. Uh, you can you can have one of these animals hatch from two completely just brown parents. Uh, they 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 all carry the genetics for these colors. It's whether they're going to show them or not. Um, you know, I, I it, it's it's the 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 other animal that is similar to that is the the Pityophis Pityophis depigeni. These things look like crap when they're born. You cannot decide what they're going to look like as as adults or, or close to adults. Uh, and and there's so much variation from them. Uh, you know, you, you have pure line animals, different localities, and they just blow it out of the water. It's to- totally different, totally different looks. Yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting to see uh, to how people pick their holdbacks and stuff like that. And uh, it's it's huge as far as there's a reason why people who have the nice animals have been hatching them out the longest at the same time, you know. So it, it takes experience. My my first year breeding, like my what I would say higher end gargoyles, I sold I sold an animal that I I have seen it now. I should have never sold. I should no reason I should have got rid of that animal. And man, if you look at baby pictures, it just doesn't doesn't look like it's gonna be that. Oh. Now, now I, I hold I hold anything that's a really, really, really higher end animal. I'm gonna hold back for at least six months uh, until I, until I, you know, holding back a gecko for six months that only eats fruit paste is a lot easier <laughs> to make for six months. That has to be fed a pinky, you know, sometimes multiple times a week. It, there's a big difference, uh, you know. I, I really feel like you know, corn snakes go through a huge change too. Uh, you know, you got animals that, you know. 
I, I don't know. Like I, my my JMG snow or JMG coral snow super red thing. Like he didn't love it at all. Like what it looks like when he was little, and now he's just the most pink animal there is. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and that's something that I guess uh, you can pick the most pink to the beginning, but if you don't know. I mean, you get some morphs where they just gain a color or like, you know, you can, I can kind of get an idea where yellow is going to come in for some animals, give it like six months or something. Yeah. If someone's really trying to breed something for like the least yellow on a white snow or something, that's going to be hard. It's it's like the gargoyles. Like I know from looking at them over years and years and years where the little markers are that this is going to be a crazy blown out reds right here. And and without it's it's that it's that learning that animal uh you know you, you gotta you gotta learn that species you gotta learn how to work with it you gotta you gotta you gotta man it takes takes it takes a long time you gotta you gotta and and you know what especially these animals that change a lot from babies you're gonna enjoy every minute of it you, you really are uh you know there's, there, there are a few animals that don't change when you know black fine snakes kind of kind of stay the same they get a little blacker uh, <laughs> Bull snakes go through a pretty, pretty decent change. You know, some of the Pichiophis don't. The, the Daffy John, I just, whew, it's crazy, man, the, the change. I'm, I'm going to grab him up. I got to give him up. He's awesome. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So a lot of these, a lot of these pine snakes, especially, especially this animal, they really gain yellows and oranges at a pretty late stage. And some of them even get this weird, like, hypo-ish look to them. Super cool. But they can... Uh, they can turn out to be really amazing animals. These guys are so just. Oh, that animal is already beautiful. Yeah, when they when they're born, they're just brown turds. And dude, that orange—that is actually how orange he is. There's not like a light trick going on. I mean, and then they, and they have this. They get some type of weird, like diffused, patterny thing. And the coloration that goes along with that can almost be like grayish and bluish in a sense. Yeah. I mean, look at that. Oh, he, they're a little wiggly, but look at that head. Look at that. Yeah. That's, that's hard to beat. You, you can't, you know, there's so, and, and, and yeah, they have that just super neat broken up pattern. And then their, their tail gets down to like this super neat orange. And he's, so, so if anybody's looking at, at Debbie John, I, I think these are probably the slowest growing Pichiovis out there. This guy's over two years old. Uh, he's healthy. You know, I, I don't want him to be fat or chubby. Uh, you know, that's that's about it's about where you're going to be on. Look at yeah, see that the head just diffuses out. Yeah, yeah, you lose all pattern. So cool. So here, let me show you what a two year old Nueces County uh, bull snake whose parents were eight foot long looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got to show this guy off. I'm sorry, I'm all like pumped up about it. No, you're good. Uh, so there's a, there's a bunch of, especially in West Texas, I've seen some pictures of uh, back in Bill Love. They had at that that motel in in Alpine. They had this bull snake. I mean, easy eight foot, nine foot animal, probably even bigger. It's like they are the, the bull snakes out there can get absolutely giant, and it's it's amazing to have a snake that's not an indigo and have it, you know, be nine feet long or something like that. Like those, those West Texas animals can get. 
So this snake is also about two years old. Damn, it's like double the size almost. Yeah, no, easily. And, and like, like I said, you know, I, I don't want to keep any of my guys. Oh man, this is stupid. I, I, <laughs> I never work with webcams. You know, I don't want to keep uh, any any of my guys uh, fat. I, I'm, I don't want to see any chubby snakes. I don't want to see you know. I want to see nice sharp bread loaves. You know, he's 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 over five foot. Uh, I'm six foot tall. Uh, so he's pretty, <laughs> they're all a little squirmy. Uh, but you know, this, this is an F1 bull snake. Everybody's kind of worried about him being fussy and, and, and sassy and bitey. And yeah, some of them get end, end up like that, but man, you hold them, you work with them. You'll, you'll, you'll get something that's going to be, going to be like this guy. That's, you know, super neat peaches and tans and a locality. Cool keels, keeled scales. And- yeah. Great and, you know, the, face. so, so you guys notice, look at, the, look at the, you know, same light reflection on these keeled scales in comparison to that, 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 that John, I, that I just had out. It's totally different. Yeah. Totally different. Uh, so this guy's a little smaller than female. I'm not going to pull a female out because she is not as happy as he is. Uh, but that's, that's about where you want a breeder, a breeder male, about a little bit over five foot. They can get bigger than this and he will, uh, especially this locality, you know, Somewhere in there. That's where, at least in my opinion, and again, I'm not speaking with a massive level of intelligence. It's awesome when they're like big snakes, you can just kind of like put them back in. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I get really excited about these things. I, I really just enjoy having them, uh, not only in my collection, but just, just in my life. Uh, also, being able to go out and find them in the wild, uh, it's a blast. Yeah, I appreciate your your enthusiasm, your energy, and all the information you've given us. We are, uh, we're at two hours and 45 minutes about. So yeah, so this is the first time I've gone over in a long time because I've been so busy, but I felt like, uh, I felt like we had to. Just because too much, too much good info is getting out. <laughs> yeah, of so, sorry, I, I got, I get pretty no. excited, man. No, man, I, uh, I enjoyed it. So thank you so much for, for spending time with us. And if Absolutely. anyone wants to, wants to reach out to you uh, where can they find you uh you know i'm on facebook badlands uh herpeticulture and then uh instagram badlands herpeticulture uh probably post more on instagram uh anybody interested in any species that i work with pm me uh you know whether, whether i'm knowledgeable on it or not i'll let you know and i'll let you know what i'm doing uh, anybody interested in gargoyle geckos or any of the species i breed i don't often post available animals usually it's just people interested kind of like, get with me and I'll, I'll go from there uh, but other than that, uh, Chris Painshop, look me up on Facebook too. Just, just message me on Facebook. Just bug me. I'm all about it. I mean, I'm trying to talk about any of this stuff. I, I could talk all night long and I gotta get up at five in the morning. <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you so much for oh, hanging yeah. out. Uh, if you want to check, man. check out what I have going on, portcitypythons.com, Port City Pet on Instagram, Port City Pythons podcast on YouTube. Uh-huh. And uh, you've been listening to From the Ground Up podcast. Chris, thanks again, man. Anytime, Joe. Appreciate everything you do. And I will catch you guys next week.